0: On episode 86 of Pixel Gaiden. The boys hit you up with some news. Tim teaches us about the Medusa. Have you ever paid for an empty box? Is Atari actually releasing software now? Cody talks turn-ons and turn-offs. Six good games with frogs. Don't forget firmware updates. Eric talks Chinese Franken-systems. And the guys record together live in studio
1: of a done? Stay a while. Stay forever. Welcome to Pixel Guy Day!
2: Featuring Cody, Eric, and Tim Drew! Now, here are your hosts, Eric
3: Nelson and Cody
2: Hoffman!
3: Hello, everybody! woo Hello, Eric! Let, let me sing you a little something. You ready? Please do. Reunited and it feels so good! Reunited! Do you like the
0: harmonies there? I do. It was Eric. beautiful. Touch my hand.
3: Hold my hand. We're going to Thelma and Louise this.
0: <laughs> uh, if you guys can't tell, Eric and I are together live in studio.
3: Yeah, for the first time in how many months? Like it's been a long time and my phone went off professional
0: yeah (laughs) um yeah it's been about a year i mean roughly a year at this point yeah yeah
3: i knew it was between somewhere between eight months and a year yeah but here we are here we are i made the long drive out here but it was worth it it's a nice drive it wasn't bad yeah happy fourth happy fourth yeah we celebrated (laughs) our freedoms
0: our freedoms were celebrated yep um For you guys listening, happy 15th, as this episode should be released on the 15th. Welcome to Pixel Guided, your number one place for everything retro and retro video game related. Retro video game talk, news, and tech, and web, and things. I never know how to say that,
3: but I always feel compelled to. We talk about a lot of stuff. (laughs) We always try to keep it retro related in some way.
0: This month on Pixel Guided, we are going to be covering a number of things. Um... Tim's going to join us next episode, but we'll have him in spirit today when we do Tea Time with Tim. He's going to be talking about the new Medusa Scan Doubler, which I know nothing about. Neither. Um, Cody's Corner coming up this episode, where I'm going to talk about, Eric, my turn-ons and turn-offs <laughs> when it comes to video games. Oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> you thought I was joking there. Uh, Eric and I are, of course, going to go ahead and uh, talk about some news. Yep. Remember, it's news to us, not essentially news to everybody. And then we will be diving into six good games. Eric, what theme did we choose this time? Well, we
3: didn't choose it. <laughs> Cody chose it, and it's a game that involves frogs. <laughs> there's,
0: no frogs. Way to, there's no way to be... like where did that come from cody (laughs) six good frog games frog games yeah i got there's a lot of frog games out there i got
3: to explore some new games that i had never played before and i played some old games that i didn't know had frogs in them so i'm eager to talk about them
0: (laughs) uh nonetheless eric we like to start everything off uh as we always do by telling you next about episode 87, which comes out next month. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's been so long. <laughs> oh, I forgot to do that. Uh, yeah, so on the 30th, we'll come out another episode. Tim will actually be here live on the show uh, to go ahead and do a game show. I'm the uh, MC of that one this time. And then uh, we are going to catch up, as we like to do. And we're going to cover A Battle of the Systems. Yeah. It was a unique one this time.
3: Yeah. The Battle of the Systems. Let's talk about the Battle of the Systems. <laughs> it's a pinball it's about a handheld pinball handheld 8-bit pinball that's right i forgot yeah it was 8-bit
0: and on the show last time we talked about what we actually came up with the thought there but i changed one of the games and we can get into that later but it is revenge of the gator on the game boy versus oh shoot it's what, with wizard the pinball wizard pinball on the game gear wizard pinball right? on the game gear Yes. sega versus nintendo
3: you called an audible Consoles. we changed it
0: yep yep uh anyways, uh where was I? As we like to do on every episode Eric, we start with quick questions.
2: Quick questions.
0: All right, Eric, who has our first quick question this time?
3: Tim, our boy Tim. He says, spotted on eBay this month was a moldy empty box for a Commodore 1084 ST, which is a monitor. Yeah. Uh priced at 90 pounds Mm -hmm. crazy money and that was just for the box have you ever been tempted to pick up an empty box to complete a game or a system
0: i'm curious what you have to say about this eric
3: absolutely not i'm a gamer at heart i play the games i don't really care much about the boxes so i never have considered buying a box outside of the system now a lot of the systems i bought Especially the ones I got on Goodwill, I'd get them for. I get a Commodore sixty four for fifteen bucks. Yep. It would have a box that was practically in, in perfect shape, and gotcha. uh, I mean, I have three Vic twenty boxes. I think I have four Commodore sixty four boxes. Oh, that's right.
0: I still need to get. I have to go trade you for a Vic twenty box. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I got one for that's you. That's going to answer my question right there, isn't it? <laughs>
3: that's right. Um, so I have never went out of my way to buy one for a system because I, I don't. I'm not a completionist. I don't really care.
0: So i think actually when i think about it my answer would be no i've never bought a box by itself however if you turn around and look above you there and you, you yeah. saw the other part of my room yeah um i love having the boxes sure. they make great display pieces especially now that i have this huge room yeah to decorate yeah and do with what i will i want to display the boxes they look cool
3: they do look cool they're beautiful like i said i love them i just uh, yeah. i've never bought them separately
0: their investments are only going up in value Yes, right um so I think I I would I'll say I haven't bought a box by itself, but I have paid more for a system because it included the box. Okay. So if I saw I don't know a, I'd say a Commodore sixty four for a hundred bucks, and then I saw one with the box for one twenty, I would go for the box at one twenty. Okay. Now the problem with that, <laughs> half the time when you do that, they ship it in the box and put like the labels and everything on the box, right? And that's beyond frustrating.
1: Yeah.
0: So. That being said, my that big old Amiga 500 box I have up there still has the FedEx label and stuff because I'm like, I guess I'll just leave it because. Because you don't want to peel it and ruin the box. Yeah. Yeah, you can barely see it there because of yeah. the power glove is in the way.
3: The Amiga boxes were really cool, though.
0: Yeah. Uh, this one's not. This one looks very businesslike.
3: Oh, It's it really, huge,
0: though. Yeah, it's yeah. It's huge.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, second question comes from 48K RAM, a.k.a. Josh Malone. Okay, PC gamers. Quick question What's your eight? This is this how Josh sounds? Yeah. What's your favorite 8 bit RPG?
3: That's not, how, that's not how he sounds.
0: <laughs> console or computer is allowed. Any RPG style. So 8 bit RPG. You know what's funny, though? He said PC, PC gamers. No, oh. PG gamers. Oh, I'm reading it wrong. Okay, I'm Gaiden. Sorry. Pixel Guiding game. Oh, look at the shout out there. Yeah. All right. But so to answer the question, Josh wanted to go first. His favorite 8 bit RPG, RPG on console or computer is Crystallis on the NES. He says it's an action RPG from SNK. Great music, decent enough story, good combat and inventory system that doesn't bog uh, right down too much, but isn't unlimited either. Uh, Graphics weren't the best, but very serviceable. Uh, He says he's completed this game several times, really enjoys it, and just don't play the Game Boy Color version, which I didn't know existed, because it ruins the ending, which I don't know what that means exactly. But uh, that, first of all, that's a great choice. I love Crystal. That yeah, is a great NES I, I, game. I
3: know you've mentioned it on past shows before, so I knew you played it. I've never played it. I've never played it.
0: Everyone always, I think it's funny because everyone talks about you know Zelda or um, yeah Zelda like games, games that try to do what Zelda did. Yeah. And for the most part, in my opinion, even though I understand Zelda was groundbreaking and whatever the first one. I think a lot of the games that copied it did it better. Okay. Including crystals. Yeah. Do you have your game, Eric in mind?
3: Yes, I do, but it wasn't a console game. Um, it was, but it would be between two. And I've mentioned these so much time, so many times on this show that I'm not going to go deep into them, but the first one is Ultima (laughs) four quest of the avatar. I played that through. I spent a month playing that through taking my time Pouring through the manual and the maps, I got so into the physical part of that game, like with all the maps and the there's a, you know, all the goodies that came in the box. Um, I that is still the the quintessential RPG experience of my life. I like, love was the tactile that. stuff, yeah. Oh man, I love that game so much. And then the other one would be probably um Auto Duel. Not a great game on the Commodore 64. Auto Duel. Okay. But it's based on Steve Jackson's Car Wars, yeah. like the RPG. And it is it was so, it, it, I loved it as a kid. I tried to go back and play it, and it doesn't really hold up that well. But I did beat it. So I beat Ultima Four and Auto Duel, and I nice. loved playing those back in the day. So those would be my two picks.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I am very passionate about this pick. Okay. And my pick is coming up right after I tell you about RetroRewind.ca. Wow. you Hop on down to RetroRewind.ca. That's a cliffhanger. <laughs> Your place for everything Commodore. And Tandy, Co- color computer, Tandy Coco related. That's right. You got a Commodore 64. I don't know. Double that. A Commodore 128. Yep. Frank's got you covered. Hey, let's go ahead and cut it into quarters. Commodore 16 or even do it again. The Commodore Plus 4. That's right. There's a weird mapping going on with the Commodores. I yeah. just realized that. Um, you can get parts for those machines and the Amiga line of computers over at retrorewind.ca forward slash pixel if you will.
3: Yep. And what am I wearing today?
0: You are wearing the best-looking Retro Rewind shirt I have ever seen, Eric.
3: Yeah, this is a black Retro Rewind shirt. So says Retro Rewind, simple logo, beautiful logo. I think it's stark and uh, eye-grabbing.
0: Absolutely. And we like to choose a few items to talk about every time. But you know what I'm going to talk about this time, Eric, specifically, yeah. is what I have in my shopping cart that I'm about to buy. Yeah, because I I'll see... will tell everybody right now. You have a big, fat... I do have a big, fat shopping cart full of stuff. So the main thing I am buying, uh, I have, like... 12 commodores i picked up a long time ago yeah and i want to start cobbling in a few more trying to see if i can get one or two more up and running yeah out of all these parts so i'm gonna pick up my c64 or c128 diagnostic harness uh it has all the cartridges and little things you pop in all the slots in the back of your commodore 64 so that you can run the diagnostic cart and it will tell you what exactly is wrong with your commodore 64 however um first of all it's a really good looking kit we talk about that a lot but it's a nice uh white and blue um i don't know what else that you go on go on retrorewind.ca and take a look you'll see what i'm talking about all of this cartridges have a great look to them including the other item i have my list which is the commodore 64 diagnostic cart but eric i didn't just get a diagnostic cart
3: no you didn't (laughs) what else did you get
0: i was i was like do i get the the standard diagnostic cart do I go ahead and get the cool double-sided one, which is the dual diag? Yeah. I think is is what it's called, which has uh, you know, your standard dead test cart as well as the diagnostic cart uh, double-ended so each side does a different thing. Yeah. But no, I'm going I took it a step further. I'm doing the 4-in-1 diagnostic cart, which is double-ended plus has a button to swap the ROMs, so it's actually four ROMs in one cartridge. <laughs> How cool is that?
3: That is um, really cool.
0: I'll be honest, I'm, I'm paying a few extra dollars to get the other two, even though I don't think I'll ever need them. But uh, it also adds the 1541 diagnostic so you can test your 1541 drives.
3: Yeah, you, you'll you need that.
0: <laughs> and Well, if I feel like fixing those, yeah. Yeah. I have lots of them. And the STID dead test. I'm not going to lie, Eric. I don't know what the STID is, but...
3: STID? I don't know what that means. I know means. what an STD
0: is, but I don't know what the STID <laughs> yeah. is.
3: You don't want... I, I, it sounds like you don't want either one.
0: <laughs> well, if it says I've got an STD in my cart... Then I I know to throw that one out. Um, I'm also picking up, of course, one of the uh, the little paper. Uh, what is it called? The the paper the little guys that go in on my 1541 drive. A transit card. Transit card. Thank Sweet. you to keep it protected. You know, for one dollar, why not throw that in there? Yep. And I'm picking up a 6309 um, processor to upgrade my Tandy Color Computer 3 Yeah. So I can play all the games. It's something I've been meaning to do for a long time. I'm also picking up uh, the new recreation of the PLA. They make a digital, a new digital PLA, which is part of your Commodore 64. Right. If your PLA goes bad, you have to go buy another original PLA somewhere. Or for $17, you can go to retrorewind.ca and buy one on here. I'm getting all that stuff. Uh, Excited to start putting some more Commodores back together. So thank you, Frank. And thank you for allowing me to use code PG10. PG10. As in PixelGuiden10 on checkout to save 10%. And all of our PixelGuiden listeners can do the same. Can't they, Eric?
3: Yes, they can. Yes, they can. Beautiful. Perfect. So now, answer Josh's question.
0: Oh my gosh, I know you guys have been waiting on the end of your seat to hear the passion I have, I have behind this 8-bit RPG, which is my favorite. And I'll be honest, there's two, because I can't pick one. Yeah, I picked two, so you're you're allowed. I guess that's true. Mine are both very similar. They are on the TurboGrafx-16, Okay. and it is Newtopia and Newtopia 2. Those are good. Oh my gosh. So I always talk about how the, the TurboGrafx has this... like silky smooth chunky sprite feel i don't right. know how to explain it yep. and utopia is no different um it is like playing legend of zelda but without kind of the frustrating bits but silky smooth and it um you know you don't have to walk around attacking every bush like you do in zelda it kind of gets rid of that you know tediousness yeah uh but big old chunky characters gorgeous graphics uh, decent soundtrack and uh it's kind of like Crystallis, but um smoother and prettier
3: and the funny thing is the Graphics isn't really known for its RPGs. It's that's known for its one. like shoot 'em ups and arcade stuff. I, so can you save on that? Yes, absolutely. It saves to little Hue cards?
0: It it saves. I don't know how it saves. It saves. Oh.
3: Uh, hmm. I have to think about that. I wonder if there's RAM. And I think stuff. I, was it password?
0: I can't remember at this it point. Might it be password. A password might
3: save. have been password. might have been. Because I, I, that's one thing that was always a hang-up for me on the on the two more graphics was none of the games you could really save but none gotcha. of them needed it that i the mainstream ones yeah well they, they worked
0: around it because you can't yeah the yeah. little card you can't but i bet it was a, a battery password.
3: on it i bet it was a password
0: i think it was a password save anyways cool utopia very highly rated actually probably some of my favorite 8-bit games ever to be honest yeah um thank you josh good questions we got two more yeah. quick questions that we'll do next episode yes 87 uh but until then let's go ahead and hear it tim has to say hey guys How about we take a little break and check with our friend over the pond? That's right, it's Tea Time with Tim.
4: Greetings, wonderful podcast listeners, and welcome to this month's Tea Time with Tim on the Pixel Guiden podcast. On this month's Tea Time with Tim, we're going to be talking about the Medusa Scandabla from Lotharek. So this month I was sat thinking about what I was going to do for Tea Time with Tim this month when I had an SMS message come up on my phone. I looked at it and it was from my very good friend Gary. You may remember Gary, I've mentioned him a few times before on the podcast. I've met him through RMC and happens to live locally. We've gotten to know each other really well over the last few years and as often as our busy schedules let us, we meet up and go to events or just pop round to each other's places um, to discuss our latest pickups and play some games. So taking a look at the SMS, I can see a photo of a sleek, small black metal box with a small LCD display on it. Curious, I thought. I wonder what this is. So then reading the message that Gary wrote, he said, I just had two Medusa retro scan doublers turned up. I ordered one for me and another one in case you wanted one ages ago as there was a big waiting list for them. Now, wow, that's a real friend right there so not knowing anything about this uh, medusa scan doubler thingy me bob um, i looked up on the internet and found out a little bit more about it so it turns out the medusa is a device for scan doubling that helps with connecting a myriad of different retro systems that have many different connections all through one box now i know there are many other devices out there for this like the frame meister OSSC, and the RetroTink range of devices. This one has been created over the course of about six years by two people called AcidMaker, which is the creator of the sio to sd and Lotharek, who is from Poland and runs a website Lotharek's Lair. If you don't know this site, they are well known in the Atari ST scene and are the creators of many different revisions of the HXC SD floppy drive emulators, amongst many other things. The site is a real rabbit hole and you can get stuck on there reading about lots of different cool devices. Anyways, let's get back to the Medusa. Here are some of the details from the Medusa wiki page and you can find that at medusa sc Dot org. So first up, they write a little bit about the history. When the first home computers appeared, people didn't have special computer monitors in their homes, but almost everybody had a standard TV set. This is why the first home computers such as the ZX Spectrum, Atari and Commodore were designed to be connected to standard TV sets. In these times, there were different colour encoding standards, mainly NTSC, PAL and CCAM. Main differences between those standards were screen refresh rates, 60 frames per second for NTSC, and 50 frames per second for PAL and CCAM, and a way of colour signal encoding. But one thing was common, the horizontal refresh rate at about 15 kilohertz in all standards. So next they talk about a solution to connect all these different standards. They write, the first problem to solve is decoding PAL or NTSC signal. Some old computers don't have RGP output. To achieve that, Medusa uses specialized video decoder, an integrated circuit created by analog devices that can sample and decode SD signal, that's standard display signal t- TV type, from PAL, NTSC or even CCAM. The second problem is to find the exact pixel clock for the input signal, for RGB signals. There are no ultimate solution for this. In Medusa, you can always manually define the number of pixels per line. But to achieve that more automatically, we measure a specific signal or fingerprint based on the synchro signals and pick from dozens of available preset options. That's just a little bit about the device that they write on their wiki. Uh, So there are more details that if you want to go and read all about it. I think we get the idea that the issue that we have is that when all of our retro systems were created, there was no one single standard, kind of like we have now with HDMI. Different regions of the world use different systems with different refresh rates. Trying to get one device to decode them and then get them to all output onto different modern displays we use is a big challenge. And this is what Medusa is setting out to do so why have i been tempted with the medusa apart from gary being an awesome friend and sourcing one for me for me in the first place i already have one of the better solutions on the market which is the ossc or the open source scan converter the limitation with this device it clearly is addressed with the medusa and this is what they write on the wiki OSSC, also a very good device, but without composite video and S-video inputs, only good for RGB signals and tough to configure. Yep, so that's the killer with the OSSC for me. No composite or S-video support. Now you think I live in the UK and everything is SCART and that's not an issue. However, my main systems that I use are the Commodore range of computers. These lack an RGB signal that is required to work with the OSSC. So for me, it's so important that the Medusa will just almost accept anything with a composite signal that you can throw at it especially things like the C64, the C128 and of course the system that is most difficult to get any kind of display out of is the N64 with its foggy and blurry output through composite that is so hard to get working on anything but a CRT from back in the day. So let's look at some of the technical features of the Medusa. Again, this is coming from their very useful wiki site. So number one on the list is obviously that it will accept CVBS or composite video signal through SCART. The second is that it accepts S-video signal again on through the SCART. It will accept an RGB signal on SCART or VGA input uh, with more than 50 predefined settings for popular old computers. It can not only work with the Atari ST monitor but also the Viking card emulated by MIST. It can also encode audio on DVI. This option can be switched on and it can also be switched out. There are also uh, 3.5mm jacks uh, which enable you to put in audio and also output the audio. It also allows you to change a lot of the settings on the fly using the OSD um, or the built-in OLED display, such as contrast, brightness, X and Y picture shift, etc output signal analogue and digital at the same time on DVI so it can be connected to both old VGA monitors also CRTs as well as modern HDMIs or TVs and they also say it's very easy to update the firmware I've not experienced that one yet so based on all this I'm looking seriously to purchase the spare Medusa from Gary Um, however there's some major considerations that I have to make The reason for getting the OSSC in the first place was that I need it to run the Sharp X68000 because this is a very demanding system with three different display modes going down to 15kHz and up to 24 and straight up to 31kHz. So finding a monitor to deal with that is an absolute nightmare. So this is where the OSSC can help by decoding these modes and outputting to different types of monitors. So with all that said, I think uh, I'm going to be influenced really by two things. The first is going to be the support of the composite video that the OSSC does not have, and also if it supports the Sharp. Not only will this be super cool to have one box to rule them all, but I can also sell off the OSSC to part fund the Medusa. They're not cheap. Uh, I think they're running at around about £170 before shipping. So with all this to consider, along with the thought of getting something really new and shiny to play with, I arrange a trip over to see Gary, and we're going to go and put the Medusa through its paces by connecting up some of the retro systems that he has to the Medusa, Uh, try and also including the Sharp X68000 and see what the results are. Just a quick note, I had a few items that I had acquired over the last few months for Gary, and each time I meet up with him, I seem to keep forgetting to take them with me. This time, I did, and one of those items was a brand spanking new copy of the amazing Rogue 64 from Badger Punch Software. If you've not seen Rogue 64, I would recommend you go and check it out. You can get the digital version from their itch site for just a few bucks. On arriving over at Gary's place, we exchanged the usual hellos and caught up a bit. opened up a beer and got down to testing the Medusa. So first up, I had a look over the device. So let's just give you a quick description of it. It's about 27 centimetres, that's almost 7 inches wide, Uh, 9 centimetres, that's almost 3.5 inches deep, an inch deep and about an inch and a half high. On top of the black metal case, on the right-hand side, there's a small LCD display, about an inch by an inch by half an inch, and a standard SCART socket mounted on the left-hand side. On the front, there is a status light that changes colours depending on the connection modes. Three control buttons to control the menu on the display. On the back, on the from left to right, you have a power-on-off switch. USB socket, similar to the uh, Raspberry Pi power socket, and I use a Pi power supply just to power it just fine. The DVI output, two 3.5mm headphone sockets, one for audio in and another one for audio out, and of course a VGA input as well so once we'd had a quick look over and uh, managed to find all the different various cables that we were going to need to power the device and connect up the first thing we wanted to try was a recent pickup of gary's which was an atari 800xl this is the pal version Um, he had required it from uh, someone quite recently and it also came with one of the wonderful Fujinet devices Knowing this would have a standard video signal akin to the C64, this would be a good first test and something simple to set up. Gary has a nice uh, gateway SVGA CRT monitor that we were going to put everything through. So this was all going to be using a VGA to DVI cable into the Medusa from the monitor. We also used a SCART to Phono socket adapter and a standard Atari uh, DIN video out cable to three phonos, one for video and the others for audio. So on first power up of the 800XL, the Medusa power brought the picture up the first time. Uh, The picture was nice and clear, however it was slightly offset to one side. As we were not yet familiar with the Medusa settings and the menus, we just left it with the slight offset to start off with. Gary also connected up a set of speakers from the to the audio output, and this performed well. We were looking for the fantastic Turbo Snail game that I picked um, in in the past for one of the six good games features, but none of the sites programmed into the Fujinet had a homebrew section, so we ended up just playing some Galaxians, and that was good fun. So the next system up from the Atari we set up the Commodore 64 bread bin. Um, This is one that I refurbished and supplied to Gary not too long ago. So this was set up and of course there was only one thing to play and that was the brand spanking new copy of Rogue 64. Gary was hooked on this game and we spent a bit too long playing this one, however, The Medusa displayed a good solid clear and bright display from the C64, even though it's just using standard composite connection and not the chroma luma connection that you could also use through the Medusa with the S video option. Next up, we went for a console. Looking on the shelves behind Gary, there was a lovely Nintendo Famicom, like the one that Cody recently sent to me, had been modded to use a composite connection. So another good test. Gary has a great collection of physical boxed carts for the Famicom, so we connected this up. First, we threw on Mighty Bomb Jack. On power up, we could clearly see the screen. However... The colours looked a little washed out and there was a lot of banding on the screen, almost to the point of making it unplayable because of the side scrolling in the game. Next we tried Ghostbusters. This is very close to the C64 version, so on the title screen on Power up, it has a title screen with a black background and the Ghostbusters logo. We could see the text was not very clear on the black background with the white text, so the Famicom was not looking so good. We did give it a try with another cable, and again, it did the same thing. We wanted to try it out some more, so Gary does not have one of the Western versions of the Famicom, the NES. Instead, he has the Sharp Famicom Twin. This is a red console that has both the cartridge and the disk drive built in. It also comes with a composite connection built in, just like the Western NES consoles. Once we plugged this in and tested it, It was much better, so I think that narrows down the issue more to the mod carried out on the Famicom. I will give mine a try, the one that Cody sent over for comparison, but I've not got round to that yet. Next up was a suggestion that we try out an N64. However, much to my surprise, Gary does not actually have an N64, so that one was out. We were thinking about trying the Sharp, but it was getting quite late by that time, and as it was a work night, it was time to head home. Gary has very kindly loaned me the spare Medusa so I can run some tests on my own. So at the time of recording it's only been a couple of days since I've actually had the Medusa and we happen to be going through one of the biggest heat waves seen in England for a long time. So I've not had a lot of time and the cool temperatures to be up in the loft space where all my retro kit is located. However, I did try out the Sharp 68000 using the SCART connection onto my Dell monitor using a DVI to DVI cable, and I'm afraid it did not work. But just before recording, Gary has sent some uh, pictures to me showing me that he's been able to get it to work using his VGA cable. So that's given some positive results. So it's looking like I may have to invest in the Medusa after all. In the time I've had it so far, I've tried a couple of consoles. Um, Most impressive so far, however, has been the way it performed with the N64, just using the composite connection on my digital display. I've also run up the C64, the PlayStation and the 3DO, and they all performed well. I'm no expert, and I'm sure to a well-trained eye, they may not look 100% authentic, but What is for sure is it's winning hands down over the OSSC because of how many consoles and home computers I can connect to it with either just a basic composite SCART or the Phono and RCA jack connection and I get a usable display. So that is a winner in my book. I have not tried the Amiga, the Atari ST or the ZX Spectrum and these are well known to work with the Medusa as they are RGB and I can also get these to run through the OSSC without any issues. So that's where I am with my journey so far with the Medusa. I think it's going to be a purchase for me with a view to hooking up the X68000 through VGA once I've invested in the correct cable. So if anyone's in the market for an OSSC please let me know I might have one for sale. Well, that's it for this episode. Enjoy some gaming and try to stay cool, everyone. Bye for now. You can get show information on our podcast at pixelguiden.com. You can also listen to our show on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast. You can reach us on Twitter using at pixel underscore guiden. You can reach Eric at the project. That's at d u h p r o j e c t and you can reach Cody at oddball, which is at o d d b a 1 1 9. You can also reach me, that's Tim at sanxion and that's at s a n x i o n. Please review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or any of the other podcatchers that you use. It really helps us out. You can email us on podcast at pixelguiden.com and we'd love any feedback. And also, please let us know if we've done anything wrong and we'll mention it on the next show.
0: We also have a Patreon account set up, so if you wish to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixel guide You can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars. If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows, such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos, um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there, um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high-score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every... Supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Guide. And using our random adjective generator, and this month we're giving it some flower power.
2: The panicky Henrik Lundqvist, vivacious Roy Fielding, beautiful Matthew Ackerman, and the modern Josh malone determined Brian arsenal the dangerous Daniel James. Adorable ten mark, The fancy Eric Sandgren, The stern Rambo-K, Rambo-K Ride right right to gamination Motionless my chase It's now a scheme
0: And welcome to Cody's Corner for this month. I wanted to quickly go ahead uh, and talk about some of the turn ons and turn offs I have when I am looking at a new video game to play. Now, this could um, be an, a, a modern, you know, retro title, an indie game, it could be a new title, but we're talking about new games that are coming out the way they are made today and the way they are marketed today. And uh, it's not necessarily to prove any points or um anything like that i guess it's more just kind of my opinion some of them you might relate to some of them you might disagree with and that's all fine uh, but i think it's it's interesting that there's a lot of things that happen uh, nowadays i think um that i see trends and sometimes they're trends i love and sometimes they're trends i'm like why is that a thing and i'm curious anybody if anybody else uh you know has similar experiences um so these are kind of all over the board i'm just going to scatter shot this stuff and uh And and start going through them So um, (coughs) Excuse me I'm not particularly here to talk about The style of games I like Everyone knows I'm kind of not a fan of uh, 2D fighting games and things like that But more just um, Specifics about the game or Or the way they're marketed um, so first of all, I want to just point out, I enjoy original games. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean I don't like sequels, because if it's a good original game, I think of, uh, Guacamelee. They came out with Guacamelee 2, which I was so excited for, and they kept the same formula, and they just kind of added a few extra things to it, and really played with that, and the level of design. Brilliant example of an original game, and an original game sequel that I loved. Um, I don't care for major licenses, um sometimes they're fun when they're they're small licenses um, you know but for example I lo- a lot of people love Star Wars games and everything that comes out Star Wars they have to look at I see Star Wars and I'm not saying I don't look into them or want to play some of them but you know when I hear Star Wars my first reaction is well let's see what else is going on first um, don't need another Star Wars game um, I also enjoy games that are uh, f- fairly simple in 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 their gameplay, or at least simple To start with, and the gameplay kind of builds On that, a lot of games now Come out with a ton of systems Every button on these crazy new controllers Is being used, um, and you have to Learn all up front, which requires tutorials And things like that, I want a game That, you know, I start walking around I press A to jump over boxes And then as I'm playing, the game Leads me to learn new things And, um, kind of Leads you to figure out things as you go Uh, essentially being a tutorial while you play the game, if, if you will. Um, you know, Super Metroid's a great example of that, and I've played a number of games that have been good at that lately as well, but also a lot of games where you're playing a tutorial for two hours. I don't have time for that. I can't get into that. Um, for me, don't do that. <laughs> um, if I hear the word procedurally generated, I'm typically going to turn the other way, unless I'm really drawn in by some of the gameplay. Um procedurally generated usually ends up being kind of a i don't want to say it's a lazy way to make a game because i don't know how to make a game but i've noticed people who make levels specifically they're typically more well thought out more interesting um and i kind of uh i see that as a, a slight negative i su- i suppose i could say that um when i hear the name this is another negative but a positive on the opposite side of it when i see a a, a uh, advertisement saying, you know, check out this new crazy awesome game. It does this, this, and this with over 80 game, you know, 80 hours of gameplay. Oh please, I don't have 80 hours of game. If I wish they would actually advertise, every game should advertise the length. Uh, in my opinion, I think it might draw more people to certain games. If I see a game that looks good, turn-based RPG, you know, a lot of times they're longer. But if you said turn t- turn-based RPG with, you know uh, 10 to 25 hours of gameplay. I go, okay, so if I really wanted to burn through it, I can do it in 10 hours. If I want to go through and take my time, I really love it, maybe 20, 25, I could do that. I I can enjoy a game that long and uh, do it in my time and get to another game eventually, and that's perfect for me. So um, I guess that's kind of two points. One is advertise the length of your game, and two, um, for me, you know, again, if you're making a game for me, don't make it too long. I don't need... Uh, you know, if a game has that much gameplay in it, it's really got to be mind blowing for me to keep wanting to play. Uh, a good example would be the even the new Legend of Zelda. Not I say new; it's five years old now, right? But for the Switch, what's it called? I can't remember the name of that Zelda game that came out. Um, oh my goodness, that's embarrassing. Anyways, that that new Zelda game, the 3D Zelda game on the Switch that everyone just raves about. I got about 30 hours in, and I'm just I'm done. I I can't keep doing it. It's the same thing, kind of over and over again. Yeah, you work your way through it, but I kind of burnt out on it, so um, as far as style goes, and this is going to be the retro influence in me. But yes, I love D makes. If you um, even if you take like a major license, um, or in this case, not a major license, but recently, uh, WayForward made a game called The Mummy D Master. They even put D in in the title, which is you know showing that as a D make. They took the new like sci fi fantasy thriller The Mummy and D made it into a like a sixteen bit side-scrolling metroidvania style action game great game really cool concept um and there's other games like that um for example dead space they came out with like a a side-scrolling dead space they um trying to think of more examples but i love when they do that d makes are awesome if you take a a game that is a major game and kind of make a simplified classic style video game version of it i'm i'm on board uh uh, what is it? Dead void? Is it dead void? Did that re- Did that at, Well, it's not recently now. Eight years ago or so. Very cool um, concept. Um, as far as themes, there's themes that I gravitate to, and g- themes that again push me away. Um, this is just me personally, but I'm a fantasy guy over sci-fi. So if you put a sci-fi game out there, I'm really going to have to be drawn in by other factors. Fantasy game, you have got me hooking and, and you know bait and hooked, whatever you want to call it um but also uh underwater any game that's underwater just clicks with me um whereas if you mention that the game has ties to time travel that usually is not uh, that is the opposite effect on me i i want to see more about the game um time travel is a kind of a turn off, so i have to i have to like other aspects of the game before i'm going to jump into any game that involves time travel um You know, some classic video game tropes, you know, uh, that I do like. I think maybe it's just because it's warm and fuzzy and it makes you think of easier levels. Uh, You know, forest levels, castle levels. Um, You don't see planes very often. You'd think that more games would be able to find more um, atmospheres or biomes. You know, uh, the dystopian city being one or... or, uh, you know, some ones I don't care for as much. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't like ice levels because they usually add some slippy surface that just kind of changes all the physics of the game, and makes it hard, unnecessarily hard, and not fun. Um, lava levels as well. You, you know, it, it's always a lava level. What are we gonna do with this lava level, level? Well, we're gonna have you know blocks that disappear into the lava, and we're gonna have volcanoes shooting things at you. Um, kind of played out, and you know, you rarely find the lava level being your favorite level of a game. Um, here's an interesting one, and this is one that's really gotten to me lately. I will look at a game, you know, you don't see too many demos anymore, you usually watch the trailer, and most games, when they come out, will give you, like, these cutscenes and these, like, uh, uh, action, I don't know how to, like, theatrical, uh, views of the, of the subject matter of the game, or the storyline, and you'll watch three minutes of it and see literally no gameplay. And I'm like, I'm here to play the game. Please show me the gameplay. <laughs> like, great, you've come up with this story and this concept in this world, or you've stolen the world from, you know, from a license, and you're just showing how exciting this new adventure could be uh, as, as far as the story goes. I need to see the gameplay. I'm going to be the one buying the game to play the game. Show me the darn gameplay. I can't stand it. I can't stand having to fast-forward through two minutes of cutscenes, to get to, like, 10, 15 seconds of gameplay, and then they shut it off and say, you know, coming fall 2023 or whatever. Show me the gameplay. Please, please, please. Um, a couple other things uh, that kind of relate to that. Inside of a game, we talk to Eric and I talk about this a lot. Um, I love story in games, but I don't want to get spoon Ved story by not playing and watching video cutscenes, having to read large amounts. Um, give it to me while i'm playing the game like while i'm playing the game have characters say things short interactions um on that note this is going to be i've mentioned this before on the show but when my character uh is interacting with things i don't want to hear my character speak um it takes me out of it uh actually i typically don't like to see to hear any of the characters speak uh for the most part depending on the game but if I've, i always talk about this example salmon max is one of my favorite lucas arts uh, and click adventure one of my favorite games of all time if you have the option to well you typically do have the option to if you play that game turn the audio off and just read the game like it's a comic they're short snippets you know you click on this you read the short snippet you laugh you click on this read the short snippet laugh move over there pick up the cheese feed it to the mouse watch what happens when you read it like that your, you know, your mind creates the voices and everything and reads it the way that you find hilarious. When voice actors do it, they rarely sound as good as what you create in your head. And I just, I think most games really should be, um, you know, point and click specifically, but a lot of the, a lot of games should just be read, um, <coughs> sound effects, atmospheric music, things like that are great, but the voiceovers typically take me out of the game. Um... I love games that are turn-based. I love games that, uh, I have, a, I have trouble with real-time strategy cause I want to be able to think things out. That's just a personal quirk. Um, when I see games that are isometric, just that viewpoint, I've associated so much of that viewpoint with games. I don't like that. When I see isometric, I, again, uh, typically throw it to the side and, um, <laughs> kind of have to be talked into the game or have to see more information to have other things about it that, that intrigue me. Um, Same when when, when they talk about a game and they focus on multiplayer. A lot of games have online, specifically online multiplayer. Now, I love online multiplayer as a concept. I love the very few times I'm able to actually do that and play it with friends. But just to me, I don't play games that way. I can't find people I know that way, and I don't want to play with random people online um, and kids screaming under microphones and saying awful things to me. Uh, What I do want our experience is based with couch co-op in mind. I love to, you know, and it's a Lost art. You're seeing more and more of it. Uh, early this year, my daughter and I played It Takes Two, a game that is made 100% to be couch co-op, which was a really cool experience. Um, i not saying I specifically want just couch co-op, but games that can do both. And then, of course, that could be also multiplayer online, uh, you know, in theory as well. But um, I'm not going to play multiplayer-only games. Um Games that are, well, you don't hear as much anymore, but everything was talking about how it's Souls-like difficulty. And Souls-like games, like, I do enjoy difficult games. I love old NES hard games, as long as they're fair. Um, But I played a couple of Souls games, and even Hollow Knight, which kind of takes on a a Souls-like, a Dark Souls-like style gameplay where if you die in a level, you have to, like, work your way back to where you died to get your stuff back. And so it almost when you die, it almost gets harder. I don't find that as a um, a game loop that I find rewarding. I find it frustrating and upsetting. And I do like games that are hard that have save points so that I can fail until I beat something. And once I get to a save point, I can now work on the next difficult thing. Um, I think of games like Castlevania. Um, obviously a lot of different games, but... Um, Even games like Metroid and stuff, where the save point's all over. You can save where and when you want, but to get to certain parts, you have to get through a difficult section, and then you can go back and save. Something like that, um, I really enjoy. I like difficult games. I don't like -like, Souls-like style games. Um, I love games that are, and you see a lot more of this now, but games that are made to work on original hardware. And what's cool is a lot of times these games uh, just play at Allah's Awakening, which is a game that is absolutely playable on an actual NES, Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, Love that. It wasn't inspired by or made to look like the NES. It is an actual NES game, but of course they package it to be able to play it on the Switch, on Steam, on Xbox, all these other things. Um, But that's a big plus for me. Original hardware, even if it's a game that I wouldn't think twice about otherwise, if I know it's an original hardware game that can be played on real hardware, I'm gonna... uh, give it you know extra kudos and more excitement points in my mind Uh, and I'm going to buy it on real hardware so if you make a game like that I also would really very much like for you to release the um, not just a million dollar you know version you release 100 cartridges for the original hardware do that that's fine make your money uh, make your collectibles I get it do that please but a year or two later after that run is done um, I want to buy the ROM file Um, I understand that that people are afraid of it getting taken and, and, you know, whatever. I totally get it, but, um, I I will absolutely buy the ROM file. I want to put it on my EverDrive, um, and, and play it on my real hardware, and I will wait to do so. So please do that. Um, games that are, uh, filled with upgrade trees and, um... You know they have RPG-like elements where you can choose, you get points and you can apply those points to things and upgrade certain things and play the game in different ways depending on how you upgrade things. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. And I think a lot of games can integrate that. So if you take a game that has simple gameplay and fun gameplay and integrate that, uh, I'm three times as happy to play that game. Um, I love playing something and trying to you know, games that involve skill, they still need to have skill. I don't want a game where uh, you can simply just um, stay on the first level and upgrade everything till it's maxed out and then play the game like it was nothing. Um, but I love upgrade trees and creating different combinations of up- upgrades to create your own kind of strategy of how you want to play through the game. That is awesome. Um, something I noticed in a lot of new games that I do not care for is, um, I'm going to call it Item Decay. Uh, again, going back to uh, Breath of the Wild. Thank you, Cody, thought of it. Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um on the switch that you know a lot. some people complain about it a lot some people are like it's not that big of a deal stop complaining but I don't want to find a really cool sword just to have it break on me right away Um, I was playing a game called Subnautica getting really into it it's an underwater game where you're collecting things and um, crafting new items and creating new technologies and building things and I started building this cool underwater base and all of a sudden the base starts breaking apart, water fills the base, I can no longer use the base, and then I'm I'm looking up online, like, what's going on, how do I fix this? And I have to go find all these minerals and things I've never even found yet to, like, strengthen the base so it won't do that. It's like, gosh darn it, like, I don't just don't even let me build it unless I have everything I need to to make it work, I don't want to deal with this, it stopped me from playing the game, I'm done at this point. Really cool game, really wanted to play in more, um... But anything in the game that is going to take what you've done and pull you backwards just for the sake of quote-unquote adding gameplay, not fun. Don't like it. I think it goes into that Souls-like difficulty thing as well. So that's it for Cody's Corner this month. Thank you for listening, and I'll check you guys out next month.
4: Ah, what happened to your pants?
0: What did happen to your pants, Eric? They're gone. <laughs> what <laughs> the, happened? The evil gnome is back. Exactly. It's, it's been far too long. It has been. But, Doug, I mean, the evil gnome has returned. Yes. Eric, what is that frosty glass doing in front of you?
3: It's ready for beer. It's ready to accept. Accept beer.
0: And, you know, when beer starts flowing, it's almost time to get into the news. So let's see what we got here. Okay. This is a
3: limited release Deschutes. This is called Twilight. Deschutes. It is uh, from Bend, Oregon. Uh, Deschutes is a pretty popular brewery around here in the California zone. Um, but this one, I believe, is a... What is this?
0: It is a Twilight, limited release Twilight. Yeah. Back in the what type of beer is Summer
3: it? Ale. Summer Ale, okay. Back in the last light of this crisp and easy drinking Summer Ale.
0: So if it's Twilight, is it about vampires in love? <laughs> it could be. That was like the big thing. I do. I I've do. never actually seen one of those. I just remember the actress and... I've oh, never she had the same expression in every movie.
3: Yeah. I've never seen the, <clears throat> I've never seen them at all, but I see little commercials pop up here and there for them. And I always wonder, you know, you kind of wonder about those things if they're any good, but I don't see how that, that, that one could possibly be yeah. good. <laughs>
0: but I, It was about the, the kind of weird, um, thin vampire, cute guy yeah. or the muscular wolf, cute guy. Exactly. But that thin, sure.
3: thin vampire guy became Batman. So that's pretty cool. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. That's the dude that became Batman, the latest Batman, so... Yeah.
0: Well, on that note, Eric, yeah. cheers, my friend. Cheers. All right.
3: We probably shouldn't talk about pop culture. <laughs> probably not the best people to talk about pop culture, are we?
0: Sure we are, because this is retro and retro-inspired, so... True. If we are just completely oblivious to pop culture, that means we're stuck in retro.
3: Now, that's got some flavor. Yeah, but it's light. It is It is light, but uh, for a Summer Ale, it's got a lot of... Uh, hop characteristics
0: pretty good it is pretty good yeah it's kind of a um golden copper kind of a color
3: and it says on the bottle it says hey there might be some sediment in the bottle so pour it not
0: hazy but you can't see through it that's right it's good
3: it is good very flavorful
0: got a a medium bodied head on the top
3: but it doesn't go into that realm of like sierra nevada pale ale where it gets too hoppy. it's it's not too hoppy but it's got just enough
0: Yeah, I would say if you like Sierra Pale Ale, but you want an easy drinking summer beer.
3: Yeah. This is it. This is it. So because it's Twilight, are we going to rate this out of uh, 39 vampires?
0: (laughs) 39 vampire uh, (laughs) with their shirt off.
3: Angsty teenage vampires. Angsty
0: teenage vampires with their shirt off. I'm going to give this.
3: (laughs) Out of 39.
0: Out of 39?
3: Yeah. I just pulled that number. Oh, I thought
0: it was 30. Okay, 39. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it, it's good. I'm going to give it 32 angsty teenage vampires with their
3: shirt off. I think I'm right there. I think I'm with you. That's the number I was thinking. 32. Cheers.
0: Cheers. Boom.
3: All right. Mm-hmm. Now, on with the show. Reporting the news.
0: And the first item that we wanted to touch on in the news um, I have a link here in the show notes for most of this stuff, as, as many of you guys know, but there is a new collection of Atari games available. A 100- 100- 100- hundred, a hundred, a hundred, hundred and fifty to be exact. I'm trying to get the game, uh, everything up here. 150 micro games collection. Atari mania announced for the switch PC and Eric, a new release for the Atari VCS.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: So anyways, here's the picture here. I don't know if you've heard of this one yet or not.
3: I heard it in passing, so I didn't hear much about it, but I would like to learn more.
0: Uh, So apparently a collection of 150 microgames incorporating Atari classics from 1970s and 80s will launch this summer in celebration of Atari's 50th anniversary. Um, Here's an overview of the game art. I'm trying to see. So here's kind of what's neat about this. A lot of the games, if you kind of look at it, uh, so they have manic mashups over 150 microgames inspired by the breadth of Atari's death-spanning catalog from Asteroids to Yars' Revenge. Um, fight back Centipede with a Pong Paddle while the iconic adventure dragon hunts you down. It's wow. crossover madness, Eric, in the best way possible. So I've got some sc- still shots here on the screen. This looks like uh, combat, like the jet fighting.
3: Yeah, but the, with updated graphics, for sure.
0: It's not just the uh, your, your typical, you know, whatever it is, 64 by 64x64 64 pixel screen from the original Atari. Um, and it looks like everything's integrated. There's a caretaker here who does look like original Atari gra- graphics to a point. And you're, I guess you're going through this top-down world and, and kind of having to play versions of these games kind of all mashed up into one game yeah it's not like you're just playing a bunch of (laughs) old Atari games again
3: um exactly for the hundredth time you've purchased them in some way
0: yeah so looking at still shots though i would have to say even though obviously the graphics are much more modernized and you know ships actually look like ships and mushrooms actually look like mushrooms and centipede it looks like bad shareware from like the 90s (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Now, gameplay is everything. So if they made it look this way, but the gameplay rules, I could see this being very cool. I love the idea. Yeah. Um, Like, what's this? That looks like Manic Miner shooting centipedes, but with, like, Western cactuses involved? I don't even know what we're doing at this point. That's kind of a cool-looking Pong game. I don't know. I'm very curious to see where this goes. It looks very interesting.
3: You know, I I will say, at least it's refreshing that atari is making a game or games yeah instead of some stupid digital currency or a hotel or you know what i mean at least they're doing games which is what they should have been doing all along
0: so that's kind of why i thought this was interesting if it wasn't didn't say atari and it didn't say it was coming out for the atari bcs i would look past this in a heartbeat yeah but uh, unfortunately the the name atari still means something to me and i still want something good to come out of that name yeah so hopefully this is that cool um oh i have the second item here and this was cool this is very cool i'll end up talking to a lot more about this on the next episode uh because hint hint i bought it oh but if you i've been talking about this for a while always awakening yeah it's a game that's come out um on you know a lot of the modern hardware the switch steam i think ps4 all the new systems but they finally released the uh, oh and it came out for the original nintendo it was you know a cartridge game you had to buy yeah but they did what i'm always asking all developers to do and I, I appreciate when they do which is to actually sell the rom so i can buy the rom yeah and put it on my evercade or everdrive i mean I always right. say evercade now
3: e- everdrive yeah
0: and so i bought this rom it's 9.99 over at um eldon so it's called eldon pixels is the name of the uh of the publisher yeah or developer i'm sorry and um excellent well again i'll talk more it's an excellent game i'll just say that it is absolutely worth 9.99 um one of my instantly one of my favorite games on the nes period very very good so That's it looks like it's
3: kind of like a platformer it just is a platformer right it's a platformer
0: um single screen platformer metroidvania kind of a thing
3: okay uh, very colorful i like the palette
0: yeah it is awesome it is awesome and I'll leave it at that for now. Listen to the next episode if you want to hear more, but please go out and buy that for nine ninety nine.
3: Yeah. It looks great. So <clears throat> this one I, I I was looking for news to talk about and I went down this rabbit hole because I found this YouTube video about somebody reviewing this. And at first when I saw it, I was like, Oh, it's just another cheap kind of Chinese knockoff thing and it's it's okay. not even worth looking at. But what it is, and, and I titled this in our notes, Fries of the Franken-Systems, because <laughs> in <laughs> China, I guess what they're doing, and I just say in China because you order all these from Alibaba. Okay. But they're legit because a bunch of American YouTubers have gotten these things and really? tested them out.
0: I'm looking at it, so I already kind of yep. know. That's why I'm already in disbelief, but okay. So
3: here's what, and this, and it, please correct me if I'm wrong, anybody, any listener out there who finds more about this, but this, I did some research on this, and this is what I found. Some Chinese people are taking legitimate systems, Dreamcast, PS2, and I think another one, but I don't remember what it was. They're taking the actual boxes, ripping them apart, taking the motherboard My out. guts out, okay. And then putting them in these 3D printed cases that have screens in them, and then also mashing the controllers into the same thing. So what you end up having... Is a Dreamcast, and the one we're looking at the video right now, it is a Dreamcast handheld, and it's this big, chunky thing. <laughs> but it, and it's made from a real controller, so it has a little screen on it for the VMU that goes in the a real controller
0: and the Dreamcast real guts of a real system.
3: Yep, and the real guts. It's, it's so it's it's one hundred percent, and it adds a GDMU. So literally, lit, literally, you just pop in an SD card in the top of this thing. And suddenly, you have the whole Dreamcast library, and it's an actual Dreamcast.
0: <laughs> I mean, this is beyond cool that this exists.
3: Yeah. So, when I saw the price of it, you know, especially the YouTube video guy was like, oh, this is really expensive. But I calculated the current price of Dreamcasts, a controller, and a GDEMU, and then a case you put it in. It's really not that expensive. Okay. Because I think, and I, I, I might be wrong on this because it's been a while since I've watched this video, but... I want to say about four hundred and fifty. Okay. It's about four hundred and fifty. Now, you know that's a lot of money, Cody. I mean, it's a lot of money. But if you did not have a Dreamcast and you were like, "Well, I want a Dreamcast," and look at this cool handheld, you get the screen, you get the case, the GDMU, <laughs> the Dreamcast, you get everything, and it's four hundred and fifty bucks.
0: It's really cool looking. I'm not gonna. I mean i don't need a hand i mean i don't play handhelds really anyways yeah but look at that thing but they did an excellent job of making the shell look exactly like it should look it looks like a controller and it looks like a dreamcast yeah and it's all in
3: one it's big and chunky but it there's something so cool about it it really is um it's and so now there's also and there's a link in the show notes if you want to pull the video up once i saw this i was like this. yeah once i saw <laughs> it i was like this is cool enough i mean th- this is really cool and i thought this is enough but as i dug deeper and went down the rabbit hole there's a playstation 2 one that's handheld and it's a- in kind of the shape of like a vita
0: yeah i didn't even th- when i saw this i was gonna say that that's
3: it just looks like a giant chunky
0: vita oh it is big i didn't realize how big it was
3: but look how big it is and it but it has a real controller parts in it All the wow all the joysticks and you everything. You
0: can tell, yeah, those buttons and the, and the thumb pads. That's a PlayStation 2 controller, isn't it?
3: Yep, and it has the, an official motherboard in it. They probably pulled one out of a Slim, I would think. Yeah, look
0: how thick that is. Um,
3: It's very thick, but it is a handheld PS2. And it looks
0: like a giant, thick Vita, is what it looks like.
3: Yeah, and these are on Alibaba, and you order them, and like I said, th- it's legit. It's not a scam or anything, but I just think about all the consoles that are dying out there, like all the shells that are being like because they have yes, to have but these for r- what
0: it's worth there's a lot of PlayStation 2s a lot of them yeah. and a good and, amount of Dreamcast, Dreamcast even I, sure. I have a couple and you can still buy them for 40 bucks or yeah. so yeah yeah I don't feel too bad about those particular systems
3: but yeah but even the PS2 has the built-in uh, hack so that you can just scroll through the the games now, the PS2 one uh, does use the technology where it's using the memory card to load the games.
0: Oh, okay. So and, I see it sticking out the top there.
3: And and that is, or, I'm sorry, not the memory card, but a, the USB port. Mm-hmm. It does stutter on music and stuff because it's not as fast as the internal yep, drive. that's right, okay. The Dreamcast doesn't do that. The Dreamcast is beautiful because I saw him testing it. The PS2 does have those limitations, but it's still a portable ps2 that's completely 100 percent compatible because it is a ps2
0: this one's not as impressive as the dreamcast i agree i agree but it is still cool knowing that's actual ps2 hardware in there
3: but i wonder what else they're gonna do like these ingenious people somewhere in the depths of china are like hacking systems and making 3d printed cases and putting them in there wouldn't it be cool the pc engine is so small and, you know, there was a Turbo Duo the, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or whatever, you know, the, the little hand. Is that what it was called? It the was turbo called duo? the Turbo Express. Turbo Express, that's right. In America. In America, that's right. I would absolutely love to have a handheld Turbo Graphics, <laughs> um, like because based on my PC engine, and the, you know the motherboard's only like. This. I was gonna say it's
0: fun. You can pretty, I mean, if you're gonna sit there and hack apart an original console, anyways, yeah, you could pretty much just take that original PC engine, yep. put the buttons in the front and put a screen on the top, and be like, there you go, <laughs> like yeah. it's already pretty darn small, as and then it just is.
3: have an embedded uh, Turbo uh, Evercade or Evercade. I said it again, yeah, Everdrive, Everdrive. Yep. Turbo Everdrive. Every game, boom, handheld that would be my ideal handheld system
0: although we gotta be careful because if they put an EverDrive in there it'd be a chinese knockoff of an EverDrive. that's true just that's like true. i'm sure that's a chinese knockoff of the the dg what is it emu or whatever it's called yeah the dreamcast yeah, yeah. but um speaking of that actually that's yeah. a good little segue yeah i just wanted to point out this isn't even news again this is not a news item per, per se but it's news to me eric which is um it's not even news it's a reminder yeah um if you have any of this cool new tech, for example, all these cool ever drives we're talking about from Krix Yeah in the Ukraine, which who, by the way, this is news, still producing those things over in the Ukraine in the middle of war. In
3: the middle of war. He's still cranking them out. I saw, I saw his tweets on it. And I was like, this dude is, uh, he's a warrior. Between the
0: pandemic and ship shortages and war, like bombs dropping, like the, yeah. he had to move. He, he moved yeah uh, from where he normally would was making these things and they reset up shop to keep going um but anyways get those things updated um i yeah. don't always care about firmware updates because half the time they don't do anything noticeable to me that's right but um we'll talk about it more on our six good games segment but um i was using this device behind me here which takes a uh, super nintendo and allows me to put a cartridge in it that i can put game boy or game boy Advance games in and it uses it allows me to output that to the TV. So I'm using the Super Nintendo controller and playing Game Boy Advance games on my TV.
3: Awesome. Yeah.
0: So I put the EverDrive in there. The Game Boy works just fine. I put my Game Boy Advance EverDrive in there to play a Game Boy Advance game. And it would say, you know, error, not real hardware, or something to that effect. And I'm like, ah, shoot, it doesn't work, right? And just on a whim, I'm like, you know what? Let me just check, you know, to see if there's a new update. I didn't realize how long I've had that EverDrive. Yeah. Uh, i looked on the board it was revision 2017 so i've had that thing for five plus years yeah um i go online and literally like two months after i bought it there was a firmware update for it i just never used um and it allows it to play on this thing i have oh sweet um it literally just said we fixed an error where when it saw non-real hardware it complained about it we just said "Eh, don't worry about it just play or whatever you know yeah um, so it works now, and I added a bunch of other cool features that I didn't have before. So, firmware, firmware.
3: And I'm guilty of that. I never update. I don't. I'm not even sure I've ever updated any of my Everdrives.
0: Well, and typically when I think firmware, I'm always worried about like, Ugh, man, I gotta like, I'm, I don't want to brick it. You gotta find some way to plug it into your PC or something, and download an app to like flash the
3: firmware. And sometimes you do that. You have to do that, yeah.
0: With these Everdrives, you literally just take the card out of the device, put it in your computer. There's a file in there that says like you know info dot whatever sys or whatever it is, and you replace it with the new one. That's it. That's awesome. And it just worked. Yeah, so,
3: I know the first EverDrive I ever bought was for my Genesis, and it's like I, he's come out with even new EverDrives for the Genesis. Oh, yeah. Mine's the very first OG revision one, the very first one, and yeah, it's got limitations for sure, and it takes a long time to load ROM. So like I should see if there's an update for that one, but I, I there
0: sh- probably is. He's he supports stuff, man. Yeah and you know what it's i think it is cool because there's a lot of knockoffs and stuff out there yeah and the fact that that he makes good stuff every time and supports it i have Everdrives for i I have almost everything he sells
3: same here same here i've got in fact the most recent one i bought i think i've completed my everdrive collection i think i have them all i bought really i bought the one for the uh the sega game gear because I, I gotta that say game that's gear. the one
0: I don't have. The game
3: gear, and I bought that one, and that's it. Now I have them all. I'm pretty sure I have them all. Yeah. I don't have the latest one. Yeah, he's
0: gone back and kind of made pro versions. Yes. Yeah, and um, I don't have that, but them, I have
3: yeah. them for everything. And and it's so for the people. If you check the show notes, his name's Krix. If you haven't ever done it, K R I K K R I K Z Z. Yep. And uh, he sells them direct, and he also sells them through p- places like Stone Age Gamer and stuff like that. So he has some resellers that do them as well
0: um hey tim eric you be tim
3: i I, yeah i can't do the thing but speaking of firmware yeah so the kung fu flash firmware update to version 1.41 this includes better disc emulation support and ability to switch drive numbers and now able to control the menu with the joystick so that's a big deal and i will say that the better disk emulation support and ability to switch drive numbers. That's important if you are ripping your real disks because mm-hmm. you're okay. ripping your real disk from a drive eight and you want to dump it to a drive nine. So being able to change your Kung Fu Flash to a nine, that's that's a big deal. It doesn't sound like that big of a deal probably to a pure gamer, but it is a big deal. It is a big deal. So th- that's awesome. And I know the there was always room for improvement on the disk emulation support. So it's nice to see that that's... Constantly yeah. being improved.
0: And if you are a pure gamer, the fact that you can control the menu with a joystick perfect is a huge deal.
3: <laughs> it, it is. And, you know, I've been using my Kung Fu Flash on the uh, SX64 that you oh, gave cool. me. Oh, yeah. So that's my, like, disk drive of choice on that. And it's perfect. I pop it in, and I get a little menu. I scroll through it, pick a game, and I'm off to playing it where before... You know, you're going through disks, and you're loading disks, and you're doing this and that. Yep. Kung Fu Flash makes it super easy. And guess who sells the Kung Fu Flash?
0: RetroRewind.ca. Correct. Forward slash Pixelguided.
3: PG10. 10% off.
0: Good. PG10. <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> oh, I got the next one, do too. You got the next one, Eric. So this is a cool Game Boy DMG, which is the the original, that's what the original Game Boy was.
0: All right, the DMG-01, I think they called it, right?
3: Yep, exactly. And this is the uh, this is a mod for the 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 original Game Boy, but this guy what he did is he 3D printed a uh, advanced style case for it and then took all the guts out of it, out of a real Game Boy, and popped it in this 3D case. So what it looks like is an original Game Boy, and he made it into a, um, it's like it's like an, an advanced form factor, yeah, but it's an original Game Boy.
0: So imagine if you looked, I'm looking at you imagine the original Game Boy. Yeah. If you cut it right in half, or, you know, cut the screen off. Yep. If you were to able to take the D-pad and the two buttons and stretch it out so that the screen could be right between them. Yep. That's what it looks like. It's got a little, little kind of uh, diagonally mounted speaker grill on the side. It's got all the same colors. The start and select button are the same angle, the same type of button. I mean, it looks very much like the Dreamcast and the (laughs) PS2 you just showed us. Exactly,
3: exactly. But this is just a guy doing it at at home or whatever. But um, I just thought it was really neat because I do have to say the form factor of the original Game Boy. I mean, while I love the original Game Boy, and I had one uh, when I was younger and I loved playing it the advance is so much more ergonomic and I think it's just better having the controls on each side of the screen instead of below it. Uh, I think it's really cool. And, uh, I just thought it was a nifty little mod. So yeah, if you guys want to check record. it out, it's in the show notes. There's a link to it.
0: That's cool. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I feel like we're following a theme. This is particular news. So, <laughs> um, over at, flashmasta.com oh. we've talked about flashmasta yes before I've,
3: I've bought a wonder swan cartridge for from him
0: yep you have the wonder swan cartridge i i got my wonder swan cartridge as well from him yep um and then i didn't get it but you got his version of the neo geo pocket color
3: i did flash yes. cart That's as well right.
0: called i believe the Flashmaster. yep yep um so He put out a big thing and this is, you know, people like, like now that again, there's two different versions for two different carts for the Neo Geo pocket color. Both great options. Yeah. Uh, His is a little lower price point and not quite as capable as the one I ended up buying, Mm -hmm. but still still very capable. I think it has, you can load two games and there's a switch. So you can get this game or this game. That's right. Um, and then if you want it Which which you and I like some, to a point So you're not constantly going oh, Let's just switch games all the time You're kind of stuck You get those two games right now
3: That's one thing I like about it Yeah
0: Yeah. Until you know You can go play it in your computer And put two more games on it But um, you know He designed that And he created it And put time and effort And made it And unfortunately It looks like they're starting to show up On Alibaba Of course With these ugly bright orange carts yeah. it, It's even called the Neo Geo USB Master 2-in-1 Uh, even has the switch. I mean, it's his exact, you know, it's been, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, where they design it backwards. (laughs) What's the word I'm looking for? Reengineered. Yeah. Or uh, reverse engineered.
3: Reverse engineered. Yeah. And so they probably dumped his ROMs and put it on, some chips and then 3d printed a case and now these are just complete pirated versions of it
0: yep so here's what drives me nuts and him him nuts which is first of all they took his intellectual property and they're trying to profit on it i don't know how much they're selling them for probably dirt cheap yeah uh you got to get them over from china but they even included all of his information for tech support yeah (laughs) how dirty is that yeah if there's something that wrong with this please call me at and then they put his information that's terrible you know just garbage. But anyways, uh, I thought it was kind of funny because he put a YouTube video of Sir Mix-a-Lot singing a, a, a song called Swap Meet Louie. Yeah. <laughs> the, your, your Swap Meet special. That's right. Uh, anyways, hopefully this advertisement will sell a few for him, but uh, flashmaster.com, it is, you. I mean, you you showed it to me. I think it's a great device, but you've actually lived with it.
3: Yep. It's great. It's fantastic. It's re- reliable. works well. Um, the PC software can be tricky to get to work, but it's not that big of a deal to get it to up and running, so...
0: And the Neo Geo Pocket, um, uh, I'm sorry, the Wonder Swan one that he, it, it, that thing was, just works. Yeah. That, it, one's oh, super that, simple. that
3: one's really simple. And it can, I think you can have up to 15 or 20 games on it at a time. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Works great.
0: It's a reason to get a Wonder Swan, really. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, I'll be Tim this time. Okay. Uh, reset 64, Craptastic tastic competition is underway eric actually i think it's already closed at this point but uh this is a for the year of 2022 they've done this the last few years um 4k games competition so on the commodore 64 people are able to make games with a limitation of 4k which is 60k less than the commodore could use actually not entirely true but you know what i mean yeah um So, Tim says, the games are starting to make their way out now as the entry date has passed. Some excellent gamer loses, including Brum Brum by all-around top bloke and C64 coding legend Roy Roysterini-Fielding. Yeah, our buddy. Our buddy and uh, friend of the show. Yep. Uh, Other highlights so far are Circles, Marble Boy, and Poke. Uh, This year will be a hard one to judge. A complete pack should be available by the time this episode airs via the reset 64 itch.io page and uh i guess we don't have a show note link to that quite yet but um just google reset 64 craptastic it'll pop up you'll be able to see all the previous year's entries um these are a whole lot of fun
3: (laughs) it's a fan it's a fantastic competition and the games while only 4k are usually very um interesting and innovative i mean and the cool thing is that some of the more popular ones they'll the author will later come out with a full version.
0: Yep. So I bumped this up to 10 K and now look at it.
3: (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So yeah. And uh, we got to decide, are we going to take a look at these for a show? I mean,
0: Uh, maybe we should, maybe we should have our own, uh, our own side competition just for the fun of it. But obviously reset 64 is uh, running the real thing.
3: They're running the real thing. But
0: Um, yeah, I I was actually a judge last year. I think you were a judge before that. Maybe. Yep. I was. Uh, so make sure you check out Reset sixty four doing some great things for the Commodore scene. I'm looking at a quick video now of Marble Boy here. It's amazing that that's 4K. Yeah, and
3: um, I, I heard another podcast where they were talking about this, and I think it even has music in it. Like, and if you think about it, fitting a fitting a game like this in 4K, and then also including music, that's pretty incredible.
0: This actually looks like a very good game. <laughs> I'm just looking at it. Yeah, it's simple. It's a uh, like top down um you know flat screen almost like marble madness which is known for being isometric and downhill yeah but just imagine top down flat screen you're rolling this this marble which has physics going you're trying to avoid these holes in the ground there's walls up and you're trying to collect flags worth points almost like um buggy boy yeah um i this looks like a blast yep i could see this even in 4k being um you know i have my little list in my commodore uh my file yeah i have you know bad games okay games good games and favorites yeah this already looks like a favorite
3: <laughs> yeah this one looks, looks really great.
0: good yep um you know just for the heck of it let's take a look. quick look at the other one circles is another one that that tim put a link to starting with the blue screen um black background you're this circle that's firing bullets in all directions it's almost like an arena shooter yeah uh, this is much more believable that it, that it fits in 4K. <laughs> I'll put it that way. It doesn't look bad by any means. It just no. looks more 4K. And uh, gameplay is king. I'm sure this, it looks like it plays well.
3: Yeah. This looks like a pretty interesting game, too.
0: Very cool. Very cool.
3: Nice. Yeah. Um,
0: we didn't get to try see Brum Brum, though, by Roy Fielding. So we'll have to make sure to do that. Yeah. Uh, You can be Tim on this one, another one from Tim.
3: Yep, so he says, friend of the show, Ricky Sikhenger? Do you think that's how he pronounces it? Sikhenger?
0: Let's just go with his at hashtag on Twitter. Yeah,
3: at bag of of hats. (laughs) Uh, Of Badger Punch Games, which Badger Punch Games is awesome. They make some fantastic games. Has released their fun Western-themed shooter Showdown. I remember that one. Mm -hmm. But that was on the C64. Now it's on the Mega C65. (laughs) <laughs> it's much enhanced for the Mega C sixty five, as you would imagine with new graphics and sound. It's also going to get a full price physical release. In the meantime, you can pick it up on his itch.io site for just five bucks. So if you are one of the rare people out there that has the Mega sixty five, I mean, I hope the Mega sixty five takes off. I hope it. I hope it sells a million units.
0: Yeah, it'd be awesome.
3: But. um if you are somebody with a Mega sixty five, or you can you can emulate a Mega C sixty five, this might be a great game to get. I know we liked it on the show, the Showdown game. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah, really, really it's fun a
0: very little. simple game. Yeah, uh, you know you're you're a guy on one side of the screen, and your friend is a guy on the other side, or a computer player shooting across the an old western trail, and you know there's things that can get in the way of your bullets, but you're trying to curve your bullets around all these things and hit the guy on the other screen. A little one on one shooting gallery kind of game. Yep. And it's only $5. So if you if you spent the, I don't know, how much was the Mega Six Mega 65? A lot. Are Hundreds there, are, of dollars on that. Yeah. Then this is only 5 bucks. Yep. Not to mention it's a piece of software for your computer, so you have to buy it since it's not going to be a whole lot yet.
3: Not yet. And the graphics look really cool on that.
0: It does look uh, solid. It looks Amiga-esque. Actually, I'd say it looks better than a lot of Amiga games. That's true.
3: So this is another game. I, I, it's an upcoming platform for the Amiga. And I know that we're not a big super fan of talking about upcoming games, but we do it frequently. But this one, uh, doesn't look like it's that far from, from, uh, being finished. But this one's called Creeping Me Out Hex Night. Um, I thought if you, if you check, if you check out the graphics on this one, it, it, it just screams Amiga platformer. Yep. Where I don't know why, but like on a lot of Amiga platformers, the character always seems very stiff when he's jumping. <laughs> like he doesn't have full like animation of like crouching down and like jumping. And then it's just like a stiff body jumping, but I, I, that's fine. I mean, it makes, yeah. it, give, it gives the Amiga some style, you know, uh, a particular style for itself. But this one just looks like a really cool platformer where you're a guy walking around shooting things. Um, it
0: looks very Adam's family to me.
3: Yeah yeah
0: i would say adam's family makes Turkin. yeah because the gun the way the gun shoots it looks very um run and gun y
1: to me and,
3: and it looks like i think you look from what i've gathered from the video there's a lot of like different weapons you can find different weapon upgrades and stuff like that um it just looks like a really cool game yeah
0: i've actually i've i've seen uh, updates on this for quite a while okay and uh, I, it's on my radar, but it's, it's just at the point where everything's an update now. Yeah. So I just quickly read the title. If it says update, I just keep moving forward at this point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, all right. Fun. Now I'm ready for the game. <laughs> yeah. I want the game now, darn it. This
3: one looks pretty close it to looks, being finished.
0: Uh, yeah, it does. It, I mean, you, you would think it's quite close. Yeah. Um, back to Tim. Yeah. Uh, C64 Puzzle Classic, Mike and Molly. Yep. Which um, I still have not played.
3: It's like a puzzle game, so it's not really up my alley. But it does look really, really good.
0: Uh, By Carlton Handley, and this thing's got great, um, you know, reviews and stuff. Uh, And his other C64 releases, like Run and Gun, which I did quite enjoy, yeah, although it's quite short, but very good, have been made available for free by Carlton on his itch.io page. Uh, There are some cracking C64 games here, and if you have not had a chance to try them, now's the time to pick them up. Yep. So Carlton Handley, handley. Um, cool. Free, free games. Now I would say still, if you enjoy the games, throw a few bucks this way.
3: Yeah. And that site is modeled so that you can donate and you should, I mean, yes, you can download them for free, but you should donate so that he gets a little pocket money for his work.
0: I bought running gun. He's supposed to release two more of those. And I want to, I want them. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, What I really like is for him to release the other two, but then also release one that has all of them together. So it's one big game.
3: Oh, wow. That would be pretty Uh, cool. I mean,
0: it felt like a third of a game. It was really good, but it was quick. Yeah.
3: Yeah. This next one is another Commodore 64 uh, news item. Very popular. You know, the C64 community never ceases to amaze me. I mean, so many people participate in the scene. So many programmers. But this one is um, called Lykia? Lykia? I don't know how you pronounce it. Yeah, L-Y-K-I-A. The Lost Island for C sixty four. We'll just go with Lickia. Lickia, okay. Lickia <laughs>
0: sounds bad. Yeah, that sounds
3: uh, <laughs> PG thirteen. Uh, the Lost Island for C sixty four and plus, plus four. four is available July fourteenth. So it's a, it's out pretty much it's today. Out. Yeah, and physical copies later this year. Now that's one thing that caught my eye was the physical copy. The box looks really cool for this. Um, but the game itself is another. You remember the Sarah Jane Avery one, the the Bradley Rich Chronicles, of course. This is another action RPG style game.
0: Awesome. Uh, so, and we this get one some gameplay here on our video stream.
3: Yeah, this one uh, has plenty of dialogue. It's uh, supposed to be pretty story rich, and uh, it it looks like it's going to be one of those games, one of those very like deep meaty games with plenty of hours We're, like trying to pull up a little video to get some <laughs> get some texture to this and our buddy has a great video from Retro Gamer Nation
0: which anytime you're trying to look at new Commodore 64 release, check out Retro Gamer Nation great website, great place to get all the updates and reviews on new Absolutely. Commodore 64 releases.
3: I do enjoy his videos because it gives you what you need when you're looking at new Commodore 64 games that... Every month he has a roundup. Yeah, A YouTube exactly.
0: roundup yep. and I watch them every time. They're great. In fact, that's what this is on right here. Yep. And it says feature presentation, so let's watch some gameplay. That almost looks like um, wow. So it's like a cutscene. It almost looks like um, someone took full motion video and, and like Digitized, downgraded yeah. it to yeah. Commodore 64. That was kind of cool. Yep. There we go. There's the gameplay.
3: Yep. So it's like big words on the screen where when when they're talking, but it's got it's very colorful, big sprites. It's a very
0: unique, actual uh, art style. I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like it. It's almost um, yeah, King's Questy, like chunky GBA King's Questy. I don't know how to explain it.
3: And very I remember cool. <clears throat> reading something about it where. There is combat in the game, but it's secondary and not...
0: I was going to say, I don't see any combat. It's more like searching and doing quests and reading the storyline and going along with it.
3: Yep. Cool. Looks great. Yeah. So, anyway, Lickia. (laughs) Lickia. So, you got the final news item here.
0: That I do. I do love to talk myself some Evercade. And, you know, I feel like for every cart they actually release... Yeah. They announced like five more.
3: Yeah, and, and they, I'm like when are they coming out? I yeah, wanna, I want to get the games. That's what kind of sucks is that it, <laughs> it, it, yeah, they they only do one release per month, right?
0: Uh, two a month actually. Two a month, okay. In fact, I'll show you at the bottom of this, but uh this one we were just talking. About uh, is, I'm beyond excited. Yeah. So I've always said, what was my favorite Evercade, Evercade cart to this point, Eric? Do you remember?
3: Uh, no, I don't. It was the
0: one that had two new quality titles. Yeah. Rather than having, like, here's 17 games from a long time ago, we just put them on a cart.
3: Right. And that was like Xeno Crisis and. And Tanglewood. And Tanglewood. That's right. Yeah. Two great
0: Genesis games. That's right. Which were released on Genesis and then stopped, you know, the physical versions went away. Yeah. And so we are literally unable to get them now. That's right. Unless they were to release a ROM, uh, which. in this case, these two have not been released, but now they're on the Evercade, so I can buy them. A new release ty- uh, game, two games for the NES that are now released physical for twenty bucks on one cartridge for the Evercade. Super cool! We were just talking about Alwa's Awakening. We
3: we that just is talked on about here, that. Eric. Yeah, well, this, that's pretty amazing.
0: And I will just tell you, first of all, I, I played. I again, I'm gonna tell you more about it next time. I played through the entire game. I beat the game. Okay. Uh, it was a solid 8-10 hours. I mean, you're going to get your money's worth right there. And then a game I actually honestly have not even heard of, but it looks amazing, a game called Cathedral.
3: I was going to ask you about it like if you'd heard of it because I've never heard of it.
0: Nope, I have not. But so let me let me show you some gameplay here real quick. Um, of course, this is an embedded YouTube video, so we'll see how quickly this thing comes up and plays. Um, so here's Always Awakening again, which is oh, such a good game. Yeah. I absolutely love this game. Um let me fast forward here and here is cathedral it looks to me it's got a very uh, again this is an actual to my knowledge an actual nes uh rom um i mean it looks like it is and it almost has a shovel knight feel to it yeah i was, I
3: was gonna say it really does
0: you're a knight with a sword the running animation looks great it's a scrolling um hack and slash platformer um trying to think what i would compare it to it i uh, shovel knight i think more than even anything on the actual nes it looks more modern than a typical nes game would be um kind of castlevania but with it looks much more controllable if you yeah <laughs> i don't know the last time you played a, a true nes castlevania but it looks amazing this is going to be an absolute purchase i can guarantee you this will be my first or second favorite cartridge for the evercade right now
3: and that's available october 2022
0: it is, but as I said earlier, they release two things every month, so the other game that they are announcing right now, as I continue to scroll down, the Commodore 64 Collection 1, Eric. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> um, so really quick, we'll, we'll talk about that real quick, but so what I've noticed here is they now have three different color cases for you to start collecting. Yeah. They are really feeding into the collector mentality, and I'm fine with that, because they're only 20 bucks a piece. I might just end up collecting them. I keep saying... I keep going back and forth. Yeah. Um, So the red cartridges are console games. Okay. So this is how I'm figuring it out, right? So anything red, including Always Awakening and any of the previous console releases. Uh, Anything purple is arcade titles. Okay. So again, the purple ones that start with one, and now they're already up to... They've announced, um, we mentioned before, Irem Collection, which is number seven, and the Toplin Collection, number eight those are arcade and then the c64 collection one if you'll notice on the side it says you know volume number one and it's blue it's blue yeah so that must be the computer computer collections
3: collection. yeah how cool which i don't know if there have been a there has been one for a computer collection
0: not that might be the, the first one that's the first one for the for the evercade yeah yeah um, arcade now yeah they're, they're already up to eight which is nuts Um uh, you got you know jaleco you've got uh <laughs> galco Jalico and Galco. Yeah. Which actually are very differently spelt, but they sound very similar. Yeah. Um, you know, this one back here, these are red. This is in television, collection two. Yep. Um these are all ones that are coming out, Gremlin Collection. The Morphcat Games Collection, which is one that I'm very excited about coming out. It's got like five new NES games, but they're smaller titles. Yeah. Including um uh what's this one called? Micronites.
3: Oh yep. yeah, Micronites. That's a fun one.
0: Anyways. Lots of good stuff. Yeah. Lots of good stuff coming out. Uh, and then if you actually go on their website, you can find, uh, I don't see it right now, but they actually have a, a timeline of their release schedule coming out, and that'll help you get an understanding for um, what comes out when. But my goodness, look at all the look at all the stuff they have coming out already. And this was announced, by the way, after the Intellivision, Amico. <laughs> it's already been released, and they already have 30 plus releases. Yeah. And they already have three different revisions of the system out now. So come
3: on, they need to hire. They need to hire the Evercade dude. Make him make him uh, in charge and come, finally come out with the Amico.
0: Great little story. Not to mention, I notice now it's actually in America that first you can only get the Evercade on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And um, even though it's technically not in America, Funco UK yeah. uh, shipped to America. I noticed now if you are in America, let's see, U.S right there you can now also buy at best buy
3: yeah i've never seen it inside the store though it might be a best buy online only
0: i think you can do store pickup where they ship it to the store and pick it up as well so okay anyways it's cool that best buy is now selling evercade that's cool that is cool let's let's you know at this point there are small local electronics store yeah there's only one left so let's use them
3: yep uh
0: that's the news eric that is the news. Which means um I think I need to finish the foam on the rest of my beer glass here. <laughs> uh we'll crack open a new one and we'll hop on in to six good games.
1: Six good games.
0: All right, Eric. To do six good games this month, we're going to have beers so yes, let's get we those are. beers ready.
3: So I bought this big bottle, and right, the reason I right. bought it is that it is the same brewery that makes uh, Pliny the Elder. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. So Russian River Brewing Company, but I've never had this beer, and frankly, like, you know the big fuss they make over that Piney the Elder? I really oh, don't yeah. like it that much. Oh,
0: it's extremely hoppy. Yeah. And that's not your thing.
3: But this one is called STS Pills from Sonoma County. So it's it's a a Pilsner. Pilsner. There you go. But from what I read, it's supposed to have a light, like the last one, supposed to have a nice hop characteristic to it. So I'm hoping it's going to have some flavor.
0: Russian River, by the way, is here in California.
3: Yeah. (laughs)
0: Sonoma County. It is not in Russia. It is not. I'm going to just pour this one and make it happen. While I am pouring this, Eric, how does this beer relate to our six good games this month? (laughs) It's froggy? Um... There's. It's a river
3: It's a river, you're right you're And right. then
0: sometimes frogs live in rivers, I think
3: Yeah, I think so Sorry, I'm just... Well, I mean, you're river frogs You're river
0: frogs So, uh... Well, yeah, we're doing six good frog games
3: Yeah, games related to frogs somehow Frog characters Frog themes there's, there's a frog there's frogs.
0: involved Alright Pilsner from Russian River oh, Cheers, yeah. my friend Cheers! Boom. Boom! Ooh, that is Heinekeny.
3: Yeah, it smell. I, I smell it, I'm like, that's exactly what I thought at first. I was like, <laughs> that smells like. I brought Heineken. it to my
0: nose, smelt it, and started drinking. When I saw you lift it to your nose, I'm like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> doesn't taste as Heinekeny, no. but it's Heinekeny.
3: It smells Heinekeny very much, but doesn't taste like. Doesn't taste as bad as Heineken. Heineken's horrible, hmm. but it's refreshing. Okay. As the kids say, it's refreshing AF.
0: AF, <laughs> as always, or something, something <laughs> that, something that effect, something like that. <laughs> All right, out of um, <clears throat> out of uh, six Russian nesting dolls,
3: six rushing nest Russian nesting dolls. What are you gonna give this one? Six. Um, oh, out of six, that's gonna be rough.
0: You can do halves because they are technically in halves.
3: Okay, I'm gonna do. Uh, do three and a half
0: i i was trying to decide between that or four i'm not in love with it
3: not in love with it but it is refreshing i mean it it doesn't have an offensive flavor to it i hate i hate that that's the low bar these days it's the
0: smell of heineken with not quite the taste of heineken in a good way in a good way (laughs) in a a good way that's our glaring review for this beer yeah all right so it is refreshing yeah uh six good games with frogs (laughs) with frogs (laughs) i love this topic i don't know what made me think of this i'm just like frogs are fun let's do frog games um, <laughs> i'm very curious to see um where we went with this so um i'll go ahead and just go first sure i think i think you went first last time yep um so let me bring this up here i've got i've got to type it in so i may have mentioned this on the show before but i wanted to play through the entire game for the show so that i could talk more intelligently about it <coughs> And it is actually a originally, I believe, a Flash game or something very similar to a Flash game. Yeah. Uh, called Frog Fractions. <laughs> frog Fractions. <laughs> you uh, heard this? Is?
3: Is, no, but this is scaring me because that means there could be half a frog. Am I right? <laughs>
0: there could be uh, 9 sixteenths ths
3: of a frog. Yeah, that's pretty gross.
0: So first of all, you'll notice on here, look at the ratings. 2008 reviews, a 10 out of 10. Wow. I, I don't know. <laughs> Steam, there's 10 out of 10. Yeah. So... You have to know what this is, and I can't give you a giveaway too much, otherwise it will ruin the Ru- game.
3: Ruin the game, okay?
0: Okay, it'll ruin the game, but I'll just say that this game you will very—it's it, when you start playing it. First of all, if you didn't know about it and didn't have someone tell you something about it, you would never play it because you look at it and just go, "That's not my style of thing." Um, it is basically a mockumentary of all the edutainment games. That like I played in the '90s, like after after um, Organ Trail, but like a little later on, like Math Blasters,
3: right? Games yeah, yeah, like yeah. that,
0: like yeah, the games that you were allowed to play in school after you finished your your schoolwork. Wow, um, oh, this is a weird video with people in the corner. That's all right. Here's the basic gameplay: You're a frog on on the bottom of the screen on a lily pad, and you use the mouse to point at like flies in the air and try to lick them with your tongue. Okay. And for some reason, when when you do that, like, fractions pop up, they mean nothing. <laughs> it right. just gets ridiculous. And and as you play, the fractions get more and more ridiculous, you know. Like, here's wave one. It might be like, oh, you, you just got nine sixteenths of a point. Oh, you just got three to the third power. Oh, you just got, like, there's five, six. So there's three seconds. Uh, there's, <laughs> and then there's, like, fruit, and you're collecting fruit. And uh, if you look at the top, your score right now is 3,469 over 120. like it means nothing it's just ridiculous uh you catch enough flies to end the wave right yeah and then you get to do power-ups and the power-ups are hilarious i don't want to get into them all but it has to do with like how your tongue shoots at things (laughs) um you can get here's dance shoes designed for the professional dancer these low-rise slip-ons have a two-part Sorry, i went too quick um but you just play it through this game, and the rules just break themselves constantly. Um, now you're using the keyboard to go left and right while you're doing this. Uh, in this first part of the game, out of nowhere, it's like, uh, frog teaches typing, and all of a sudden the frogs have na- words above them, and you have to type the words, and the words can be really bizarre and sometimes obscene and sometimes uh, just like, <laughs> you know, it might be like, apple, uh, potato anti-establishmentarianism like. <laughs> uh, and you just play through the game and uh, again without giving too much away by the time you finish the game it's nothing like the game you started you're laughing the entire time um the power-ups themselves uh there's one power-up that continues to contradict itself and you go back and forth over and over and over again to the point where if you keep doing it by the end of the game it's just having a conversation with itself yeah. like two people arguing over whether whether you should have that power-up or not <laughs> it's hilarious
3: where did you learn about this game
0: it's been pretty popular for a while. In fact, no, no, they actually have a Frog Fractions 2 and 3 now.
3: Oh, wow. Um,
0: I just played the original one. Um, you know, I probably played through the whole thing. I'm just... You don't have to tell the, the people what we're looking at here, but <laughs> further on the game, we're, we're, uh, we're in court <laughs> at that point. Uh, at this point, it's like a shooter. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You just kind of have to play it. It's it's hilarious. Uh, at this point, your fruit score is literally... It says, like a billion. <laughs> Like a billion. At first you're trying to collect like seven fruits and then oh, now you need to get to 13 fruits And at this point in the game is just you've got more than a billion. I don't know. You've got a lot of fruit <laughs> Anyways, if you've got like two hours to just enjoy it. I don't think it's even that long It's like but a PC game. You just got to sit down if you want to spend probably an hour to hour and a half. Yeah On you know, I think actually it's in the web browser. You can download it on steam. I think for free Okay um, i think there is an upgrade you can buy for five dollars that's like you can play through the entire game again but in a sombrero
1: <laughs>
0: and it literally i think it's literally the exact same game it's just basically saying hey if you, if you like the game you can pay us a few bucks yeah but all it is is playing the exact same game with a sombrero on or something like that yeah. anyways that looks hilarious it's hilarious and you're a frog so it's a frog game it is, a it frog is game. Yep. Yeah. there we go my oh. first game frog fractions on the pc
3: So my first game is Super Frog on the Amiga. I thought this one might come up. And this one, uh, I had never played in depth at all. So uh, pretty much just uh, decided... I knew it was on my CD32, and there was a CD32 version. And so I loaded it up. It's a Team 17 game. Um, It is a game where you, of course, are a frog. And you're super... You're a super frog, and the reason you're a super frog, I think, if I'm if I read the if I read the docs correctly, you are a super frog because of this medicine you take in the game called Luzicaine. Is that what it's called? I think it's a. Is that a cough drop? It uh, no, it's a little bottle. Um, it's a medicine. It's a medicine.
0: <laughs> I think. I mean, it's a real one though, right? Like it's yeah. A, this is another cash grab, like a uh, advertisement game, right? No, no. Kind of like z- the, the what is it, zoo, uh, Zool? <laughs> so, <laughs> right? Is it Zool?
3: Yeah, no. something, no, yeah, Zool, yeah.
0: Yeah, right. where it's all about Chupa Chups. Yep. Or Chupa Chups or whatever they call them.
3: Oh, man, my notes aren't working here. But anyway, so I'm going to just go go straight from from my yep. mind but it's a basically it's a typical european amiga platformer collect them up collect them up exactly (laughs) which i'm starting to really like i'm starting to really dig the collect them ups um just because it stresses uh exploration above all else like looking for things there are are secret tunnels in this game stuff like that but it is a collect them up and there are a lot of power-ups and and collect them ups and there's this weapon you can get that is a green like a little green thing that you collect and if I remember, I, again, it was in my notes, which I've completely botched up here, so I have no notes, but it's called the spud, something spud, <laughs> and it's a thing that you hold the fire button down and can point in a direction, and then you let go of the button and it fires it in, in, well, in it's a like direction. A Yoshi's Island. Yeah, so you can shoot it up, up diagonal, whatever, and um, so there are offensive weapons, and then when you're going around the, the levels, you collect coins, and when you collect so many coins, it unlocks the level. Like so, the
0: door so you can leave kind co- of a thing?
3: Correct. Now, you take those coins, and you can either keep the coins, or you can do this game where it's like a slot machine game, and you can get power-ups. Gamble. And you can gamble your coins away, or you can use them in the game for whatever you want to do with them. But um, but basically, it really is just a platform. But I, you know, I, I hear people talk about this game in um you know in, in like like in high reverence like it's a, it's a very popular game in the amiga but then there are certain people that when they talked about this i think it was reviewed on the amigos when uh they had a lot of criticisms of it and it's not a perfect game it's mm-hmm. definitely not a perfect game but when you're looking on the amiga for a platform to play there's not a lot that's great on the amiga yeah okay and I will say that the physics in this are... And the physics and the controls are pretty good for this game. Okay. Now, I only got to about level three, because I just ran out of time. But it's one I'm going to go back to, especially on the CD32. It's very nice to just kick back on the console and play this. So I think I'm, I'm
0: going to have to try it again. I've, I've tried, it, I think, all of once, maybe twice. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, And I don't know if I remember hearing about the actual super frog episode on the Amigos. I know I've heard him mention it in other episodes. Okay. Um, I've heard the same thing. It's high reverence. It's definitely, I feel like, so when you typically, if I'm I'm not mistaken, the Amiga games, typically, even though the Yes Amiga was all over the place, they're typically out of Europe. And so that's, you know, Amiga is the haven for any kind of Euro, you know, Euro shmup, Euro platformers, any of the Euro stuff. It's, Kind of, we're talking pretty much talking about the Amiga. Yeah, um, this is very much that European collect them up thing. Which you're right, I actually like the collect them up aspect as well. Yeah, I can see, I can see how they'd be a good game. With this game, I, str- I struggled with the controls. Um, I struggled with kind of like the level design compared to like the, the the abilities and stuff. Like, I don't feel like they're expertly designed levels based on what your skill set is. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they are trying to do a Sonic the Hedgehog thing because everyone assumed sonic was such a big hit because of how fast he went right but honestly aside from that first level sonic is just brilliant level design i know you don't like sonic but it's not really about the speed ultimately that's not what makes it good right um and super frog is like all right let's think about this you're making a character that's extremely fast in a level where you have to backtrack explore everything collect everything like that speed does nothing for you right um but I think I would like to give it another shot. I didn't have a bad time with it when I played it. Um, it just seemed very kind of samey and generic. I feel like uh, there's either it just didn't translate or or just um, everyone had Amiga, so they they made they enjoyed the games, the best games that were available for the Amiga. Um, but, like, a lot of these games, not this one, but, like, I think of um, James Pond.
3: Yeah.
2: Which,
0: by the way, you could have put in as another frog game. That's
3: true. That's um, true.
0: Those kind of, and some other flat, uh, you know, Euro platformers made it onto the Genesis. They did not do well here. Yeah. Nobody bought these games or enjoyed them or talked about them. They were not re- reviewed highly, and they were very good ports of the games for all intents and purposes. I just don't think. Again, I don't know. There's, there's something that, that at least doesn't work for me as with these style of games.
3: Right, and th- that's unfortunately what you're going to get on the Amiga is the style of platformers mm-hmm. there isn't really there just really isn't anything i don't even know if i can name a more american style or japanese style platformer on the amiga
0: yeah and i'm i'm trying to be careful and be sensitive to it um i, I would I'll, i would almost say that i don't know if there is a Good or great platformer, <laughs> right? But I can see how this is one of the best out of the ones I've yeah, tried to play. I,
3: I will say, like, so all your stuff, all your stuff is legit, like, uh, like what you're saying. But I did have fun playing this for the time I did because I was mainly focused on getting something for the show, and I wanted to include the Amiga because I was yeah. playing a lot of CD32 games. I I do think this is one of the better platformers on the Amiga, and it's a fun game. So yeah. definitely, and I'm leaving off a lot of stuff, like some of like they, they showed in this video, the invisible. Like there's a potion that turns you in, invisible, where you just see his eyes.
0: Oh, I just saw that. Okay, and, and the enemies
3: the enemies won't see you. You'll you can see yourself, just your eyes, but the enemies won't attack you because they can't see you. That's fun. Um, so there's a lot of little power ups, a lot of little hidden areas i love platformers that do exploration and so this one does tick that box
0: i'm gonna give it a shot it does you know watching again watching somebody else play it it looks pretty good
3: yeah cool so that's my second one Super first one. frog
0: that's my probably my favorite game about a frog who gains superpowers from doing too much over-the-counter medication yes and then gambles at the end of every day yes <laughs> perfect i mean this is a this one is more. a role model
3: what more can you ask <laughs>
0: All right. So what is your
3: second game?
0: Well, if I can get back to my show notes, I'll tell you. Um, This is an interesting one. Okay. I, obviously, you know, I could have said Frogger. How how generic and boring is that, right? Right.
3: That that would have been too on the nose.
0: And it is one of my favorite, um, honestly, one of my favorite classic arcade games. I love Frogger. I have the little, little shadow box of it over there. Yeah.
3: I love Frogger 2. Simple game, but I, I something draws me to it. I love it.
0: Now, careful when you say I love Frogger two, because Frogger two is awful.
3: No, right? No, <laughs> no. I didn't say Frogger two. I meant Frogger as well.
0: Unlike a lot of classic <laughs> games, Frogger actually did have a lot of sequels at the time. Like Frogger two came out, and then like every subsequent system had some kind of Frogger game, um, including at least two, if not I don't maybe three Frogger games on the Game Boy Advance of all things wow. at this point. Yeah. Now here's where you got to be careful. This, se- this segment's called Six Good Games. I I tried a couple Frogger games on the Game Boy Advance. They were terrible. Yeah. I think there was one called Frogger like Frogger Land. It was very similar to this. Frogger Oh man, I can't remember what it's called. Adventure Land or something. Frogger Land Adventures. But that's not the one you want to play. You want to play Frogger Adventures
3: frogger adventures frogger on the gba
0: adventures okay so what i respect about this game and ho- let me let me pull it up here frogger adventures um oh here you go frogger advanced the great quest don't play that that is awful
3: yeah that sounds awful
0: <laughs> you're just patronizing me. <laughs> no it does it sounds awful uh frogger adventures there it is sorry riveting radio um So what's cool about this game is it keeps the, more or less, the style of gameplay of the original Frogger. So it actually feels like Frogger.
3: That's good, because a lot of the Frogger games that come out have nothing to do with Frogger, really. It's just... The character's named Frogger or whatever. Yeah, that like,
0: quest one was like that. Yeah. So it's Frogger Adventures Temple of the Frog. And <laughs> now I will tell you, there's a, they try to shove a story into this about, Frogger, you can save our world. And for some reason, you're trying to help out this crocodile mayor. And uh, there's a council. It's, the is weird. Yeah. There's cutscenes, But there is an overworld map. And basically, you'll have three levels in an area to beat, to go through. And then you'll have a boss. Okay. And then you move to the next area. I... <clears throat> Made it to, I think, l- the fourth world. I believe there's 15 levels altogether, so that would be five worlds. Um, so let me get to the gameplay here. So it's literally a game, uh, it's kind of set up almost, you know, like with an, uh, an overworld map, kind of like a Mario game. Yeah. Um, but you have to play through them linearly. And the gameplay is, and you know, it's pretty. It's, it looks good.
3: It's The colors are really pretty. I mean, the, the whole landscape just pops.
0: Yeah, it's almost like... Um, pastels but pastels that pop if that makes sense you yeah. know I would say the definition of pastels is that they don't pop but somehow right. somehow that makes sense to me honest. but the gameplay if you can tell here it's frogger yeah um it's not single screen frogger it's like scrolling uh, you're zoomed in a lot and um great pixel art you've got these weird characters that basically you've got you know your log you go start with a river here there's logs and lily li- pads and then you make it across the river um, there is these bad guys, these orcs and things with, like, swords, and they just make a regular pattern. Now, it's not vis- visible, but essentially everything is a grid. Okay. The entire game is a grid. Yeah. So if you press up, down, left, or right, you're going to hop one space up, down, left, or right. Um, there are, like, rocks and bushes and things that kind of create uh, almost like a maze, if you will, like a Pac-Man-style maze. So you're you're trying to time things, hop on pads, um, so that you're either not falling into the water, or not falling off a cliff, or not falling into lava, depending on where you're at. Um, the enemies themselves walk on you know predetermined paths. Yeah, so I was it's about, gonna say
3: it's, it reminds me of the ZX Spectrum platform games where like uh, yeah, you know where things are just going in their own little little paths yeah, and they're on their own little just, loop, and you just you, wait for the right time and don't touch them, and you're fine. So yeah. that's basically
0: what this is. It's kind of a yeah. fro- frogger puzzle game. that looks really good. Um, there's a few other things that you can get, like there's coins on each level, and so you can try to gain coins. You don't have to get them, but you can try to gain them, and they help you out in certain ways. Sometimes there'll be some puzzle elements like, all right, the level is very short, but to get to this certain part, you got to go find a certain key that unlocks a bridge. It allows you to get to this part, to get the other key to lock the other part of the bridge so that you can access the exit to the level. Gotcha. Things like that. Um, and there are... Um, you can game, there's little butterflies that will, that'll, they don't fly around, they sit in spot, and there's a button to lick, you know, shoot your tongue out. If you can get the butterflies, you get lives. Um, here's another timing segment with these floating blocks. Here's some bricks that fall once you hop over them, so you gotta do that part quick. Uh, I mean, it's straightforward, it's yeah. fun, it's a simple concept. There, There's one kind of catch to the game, which makes it a little more difficult than it needs to be, but it's not overly difficult. And that is if you, you know, you hop one spot in each direction. Uh, however, the direction you're facing, if you press, like, A or B, one of the buttons, you'll actually jump two spots. Like, you'll jump over a spot. Okay. To get over a gap in something. However, you're going to you're gonna jump two spots the direction you're facing. So there will be parts in this where you have to use the L and R buttons that just simply change the direction you're facing. And, like, there's one scene in, in particular, you're running away from lava that's pouring down the level, you're trying to run away from it, and you're hopping on things... You get to somewhere and you your instinct is to press like down and jump, but that doesn't help you. That doesn't turn you. So if you're still facing right, you press down and jump. You just jump off to the right. Right. So like, there's kind of a mind a mind um, AF. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
3: and I can see that. I mean, I, I could see it, it gets does get challenging in certain spots.
0: It gets challenging pretty quick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I will say there's some levels that are very difficult. And they're fairly early on in the game, and you're like, man, how am I going to play this game? And then the next three like worlds in a row, like nine levels in a row, were much easier <laughs> than that one level. Actually, this this level right here was really difficult. Yeah. Uh, and then the bosses are kind of cool. They they still use the same kind of gameplay, but the boss is like throwing things up in the air, and you have to avoid the you know little shadows will show where these things are going to fall. You're avoiding those while trying to hit switches on the ground to you know make things fall on the boss kind of thing. It's always up down left right frogger gameplay but with some just neat twists that make it a lot more cool yeah so it's, i it's a solid game i've been playing on my game boy advance in bed and uh i got pretty into it i've got also got uh you know on certain levels i got angry enough to where i almost threw my game boy advance across the
3: <laughs> yeah i could see Don't this game me. getting pretty frustrating
0: but but it's good
3: it so. looks good it looks like a great game
0: For, uh froggers adventures especially Temple perfect on a handheld yeah, and it's, again, big, chunky graphics, so it looks great on the handheld. Yeah. Um, when I put it on my big screen, uh, it looked even cooler, and everything becomes easier when it's on a big screen instead I think of a handheld. So yeah. So if you really want to beat it, try it that way.
3: Yeah. That is my game number two. All right. My second game is I followed the old uh, Cody saying that Hey, I just want to play a game so i 'm gonna 'm <laughs> gonna, gonna fit it into the the segment right i'm glad you picked this one okay so I had never played this one not in any real way like really? I, probably, okay. I probably would load it up play the first level and then put it away right but this one is Donkey Kong Country for the Super Nintendo just screams frogs screams frogs, but it does have a frog in it that you ride around and you must use this frog yes. to get to certain areas or to do certain things. Um, but it, if you if people out there don't know what it is, this was what the era of like uh, Super Nintendo where they were really trying to push the graphics hard. So I don't know what the there's a word for the style of graphics that they use in this game. It's um, actually
0: it's, it's surprising. It's actually the same as they used on like Mortal Kombat where they um, yes, uh, not rotoscoped, not but, rotoscoped. Um, where they take a, a photo yes, and then digitize it
3: that's exactly what it is i mean the graphics in this if you were looking at a pause screen you'd be amazed that this is a super nintendo game yeah
0: they actually they basically made these little creatures out of i don't know clay or made up little puppets took pictures of them digitized it and that's what you're playing as yeah looks really cool
3: so the graphic effect in this game is amazing but what it ultimately is is you are donkey kong and diddy kong and you are running around it's like a side-scrolling platformer i guess is what you'd call it um, and you are doing things like collecting bananas and hitting enemies. Um, you can switch positions with Diddy Kong and Donkey Kong by, I forget which button it is, but one of the buttons changes it. When you get hit, you don't immediately die. You just lose either Diddy or Donkey. You lose Jordan. the
0: character you're playing as. character
3: you're playing as. And then you can get them back. There'll be barrels around the levels, and you break the barrels, and you get Your, your, your companion will come back. And the funny thing is that second character is always on the screen with you. So it's like, it's a person that's just following you around. Mm -hmm. And the very first times I played this game, I found that a little distracting, but you soon get pretty used to it, but it is a game of, again, exploration. You're going around, you're looking for, you collect, um, words like that spell Kong or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. And you um, are basically you get to the end and you fight a boss and you move on to the next level. But there are challenging levels. Like there's a level with the rail carts, which is very, yeah, that one took that one. I lost a lot of lives <laughs> getting through, but then there are levels that are a lot easier. And this, um, I'm proud to say, uh, you're kidding me. I beat this game. Really? Yep. I played it on my,
0: wow. I
3: played it on my handheld, my Amber nick, So I was able to do yeah. save states.
0: Love the Amber Dick.
3: Um, and uh <laughs> I, I i can't admit, call it
0: anything else that's yeah. what it is to me. i don't know why i got that name stuck in my head but
3: but i did beat this game and i got to the final boss which looks like a big giant alligator i think he has a name Gator or something but i played this earlier in the month um gosh
0: i love this game it's so good
3: and uh i was able to pretty easily i'm not easily but i was able to beat the boss with 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 uh the lives i had left so i was pretty happy about that the game's not super easy in spots. I mean, it does get very challenging. You, on
0: each, and i played, I believe i played, I haven't played through all of them, okay. but I've played the majority of all three of the Donkey Kong Country games. Yeah. And they all will have a level or two where you're just beating your head against the wall for like an hour.
3: Yeah, that cart one was the one for me. It yeah. It was really difficult. And the funny thing is that's the, what, I think it's the second level.
0: I think there's a couple cart levels, if I'm not mistaken. That's
3: right. You're right. You're right. There's one further on. But with the first one I hit, I was like, I was having a lot of trouble with it. But um this is the main game i've been playing like uh, on and off all month. so i beat this game but the only thing that's related with the frog is that there is uh there is a frog you have to ride around there are different animals like in the underwater level there's a sail i think it's a swordfish swordfish yeah like mounts
0: right you you hop on them exactly
3: you mount them and you ride around frog is a crucial one and it means you can jump higher in certain locations to get to certain areas um
0: rhinoceros i believe there was, was a that r- donkey Kong two
3: right there's a rhinoceros okay yep. no yeah yeah there's a rhino um there's one other one too but i don't remember what it is
0: this game's so good there's so many secrets
3: yeah there there's,
0: is um barrels that shoot you into different areas there's puzzle elements there's um yep <laughs> uh special stages to get extra th- points i mean this is the exact opposite of what kind of a platformer super frog is
3: correct and the beautiful beautiful thing about this too no timer so you can take your time you can explore the levels um it's just a fun game and it's
0: it's a collect them up and that you can collect a ton of stuff yeah but you don't have to but you
3: don't have to so
0: you can get bananas which 100 of those get you a life uh the barrels you can pick up and throw at things if it's got a dk on it it'll get you Donkey Kong or Diddy Kong, whoever's missing. Yeah.
3: get get your companion back.
0: There's ones like this will take you to a special stage. There's balloons that give you lives. There's spelling out Kong will give you, I think, a life or something. Yep. There, And there's just, just so much stuff you can find, but that gameplay itself is super simple.
3: Yeah. That's what I want... That's <laughs> one thing I really enjoyed about this game was that it wasn't complicated. Like, the controls weren't. Like, it was pretty simple what you were doing. And
0: satisfying. Uh, I, I don't know. I just... Yeah.
3: Yep, and the, like like, it's this, a great game. like this is a perfect example of what you were just talking about, where the enemy just goes up and down. Yep. They don't like really attack you, but you have to work your way around them.
0: But there are lots of enemies that do attack you. Oh,
3: absolutely, yeah. Yep. <laughs> it took me a while to realize, like I was just um, I was just jumping on top of the enemies all the time to, to defeat them. Uh-huh. I didn't realize that you actually could like uh, fire projectiles too, or not projectiles, but um,
0: you can do a cartwheel if you're Diddy Kong. That's or it. That's what I mean. A little like yeah. Like a windmill attack kind of thing if you're Donkey Kong, I think?
3: I I didn't know that you could do the windmill thing until about level three.
0: Oh, and Candy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Candy, who does your save points. Yeah. It's a foxy little gorilla, that's all I'm saying.
3: So I should have done a little more research, because that that little cartwheel thing would have come in handy. That's what I meant. And look at
0: at the personality in the the characters, and just eyes shoot out of their heads. And (laughs) this is a beaver who has been stashing bananas. Oh, it's just so good. Yeah. I want to go play this now.
3: Wonderful game. And, and funny, too. Like, the little Nintendo banana drops down. I mean...
0: And here's the thing. The next two Donkey Kong games add, like, a twist or two. Yeah. And they just make it... I wouldn't even say any of them is better than the other. They just make them all different. And, and none of them... They don't you know.
3: deviate too far from the formula, that, the, the the successful formula.
0: Nope. I think Donkey Kong 2... I know Donkey Kong 3. is. So oh, there's your ribbit. There's, that's his name, right? Ribbit? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yep, um, there he is. Yeah, that D- Dixie or Trixie's Quest, I think, was Donkey Kong Three. I don't. Know. I mean, they're they're all great. Yeah.
3: So anyway, that was my second game, and I'm glad. I'm I glad played you played
0: that. That's that's a solid game that you have to play. Yeah,
3: and I never played it. Like I said, I'd always play level one and then just move on with my life. I think
0: so. I own the real cart too. Yeah. I think I own one and two. Awesome. Good choice. Good choice.
3: What is your third and last one?
0: My third and last game. I wanted to pick. A very controversial yeah. topic, Eric, because it's six good frog games.
3: Exactly, frogs. Yeah. And I
0: went, I went way out into left field and went with a toad. I'm not technically sure those are, <laughs> those are
3: frogs. Um, I, I asked my wife that because I told her that uh, like one of our theme songs on this on the show was a Battle Toads theme, and, and I was like, Cody, better not pick Battle Toads because that's not a frog. And she <laughs> laughed, and I was like. Uh, I I, already picked it. (laughs) I was like, "That's fine. I like it when we deviate from the rules." That's funny.
0: Um, So first of all, I did not pick Battletoads. For those who are wondering out there, Uh, because I've talked about Battletoads on the show, I'm sure a ton. As a as a kid, I had that game. Yeah. Uh, It's funny because I've always heard great things. You know, when I was we, you have circles, Mm -hmm. and circles of friends will build things up, and to you, that's the your world. Yeah. And to me, Battletoads was this amazing game one of the best games out there. And in hindsight, people hate this game.
3: It's legendarily difficult. So It is
0: extremely difficult. Yeah. Um, it's probably the most impossible game that is technically possible to beat. Yeah. But it's barely possible to beat technically. Yeah. Um, and so, for the most part, if you play the original Battletoads, it's a, this really cool brawler. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just having the hardest time finding this. It's this really cool brawler, and you kind of start as a... Um, kind of a double dragon style side scrolling beat-em-up mm-hmm. uh with really cool characters and your toads are punching things you you can be pimple or zits or rash <laughs> these are the names of the three toads you can be yeah um graphics are amazing from a company called trade west uh which uh i think is a publisher but it's actually rare that made battle toads if i remember That's correctly right. i think so uh which is a which is a, a european uh, not a european but a, a british it's, yeah it is. that part of the world yeah and it's good rare yeah. makes good games so yeah. if i said anything earlier that made it sound like i don't like any games from that part of the world that's wrong rare makes great games yeah. um so anyways it's really cool because the you know if you're a toad you can or one of the toads and you're beating these enemies up um you know you might kick them four times and then your shoe turns into a big old boot and like twice the size of you and boots them across the screen yeah. or you're you you try to ram them and if it's the you know if you got them weak enough and you ram them you actually grow big old ram horns right shooting off uh you can pound guys into the ground they literally pop into the ground yeah until you smash them so far front the ground they can't come up or in certain levels they fall through the ground and fall down below you um uh, super cool uh pretty good controls for the most part i really enjoy it. it's the first boss battle and if you remember that it all of a sudden is um it's weird. You're playing, You're fighting a boss first person from the boss's point of view. Okay. And you're controlling your character on the screen, picking up these rocks and throwing them towards the screen. Yeah. Like, it's super creative stuff. Yeah. And then the second level, you're going down this, this this tunnel. And I'm telling you about the game I didn't pick because it's related. Okay. Going down this tunnel on a string, and there's these things attacking you, but if a bird catches the string, it cuts you and you fall to your death. Very creative stuff. Next level is the one that people hate, which is the... the the bike level the yeah. motor, speed bike yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. I and as it. a kid passed it like twice ever so i played <laughs> so much of this game but it was level one two and first half of three over and over and over again loved it couldn't get past it there's like 12 levels there's a ton of levels There's never could get to right anyways the game i'm talking about is one of the sequels and it's the weirdest sequel you've ever heard in your life out of nowhere battle toads which is made by rare yeah decides to make a game on the super nintendo where they team up with Tecmo? Is it? Well, not Tecmo. It's a um, Technos. Technos, yeah. And it's Battletoads and Double Dragon. Oh wow! And, and it, that's what it's called. It's called Battletoads. A lot of people say Battletoads versus Double Dragons, but it's not. It's Battletoads. It just says Battletoads Double Dragon, but it's and because you're you're working together. It could you could be any of the three Battletoads, or you can be uh, Jimmy and Billy. Is yeah. that the two? I think so. Um. And what's cool about it is I'm not a huge Double Dragon fan. Right. The gameplay is, is especially the arcade style, which, um, you know, the 16-bit version kind of is. But if you play this game, it's definitely Battletoads, where the Double Dragon guys are kind of fit into the Battletoads world.
3: Oh, I say I can kind of see that.
0: You've got the same hearts, the same um, uh, life points, meters, a uh, lot more moves. Yeah. Um, you can pick people up the way that the, the enemies attack, which is very specific to Battletoads. They kind of punch you three times and then wind up really big, giving you a chance to move out of the way for their like final blow. Um, so it starts out very Battletoads in space. Um, and as I kept playing...
3: Yeah, I've never seen this game.
0: It, this crazy. part's actually more... Um, even though the gameplay is still Battletoads, it becomes kind of double dragon here. It's kind of like the, uh, the streets with the ladders and stuff. Yeah,
3: like um, a but, typical brawler left and right well and up and down
0: because of the ladders too. yeah yeah uh but you can still pick up like this gigantic rodent boss pick them up and throw them um if you keep playing through here for example you know, here's cool effects where there's oh here you go there's the there's the uh the, the shaft where you're going down the shaft kicking the, the crows yeah just like the original double dragon which is great gameplay um if i can find it here there is even a speed bike level eric but it is beatable and enjoyable it is not It's not like the Battletoads one. There you go. Yeah. and Everything plays like Battletoads. Now, I will say, this is much easier than Battletoads. Much less challenge, which is a good thing. Um, Maybe
3: a little boring because of that? I don't know. It looks like more fun to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: Anyway, it's a blast.
3: Battletoads just looks punishing. I mean, I've played a little bit of it, but I've never played it any... Like, it just doesn't it's not the kind of game i would enjoy because i just get my butt beat so much
1: it's
0: it's funny because i played it as a kid so when you're a kid you you, you play whatever game you had
3: exactly so at this point over over. i can play
0: those first three three and a half levels like with my eyes closed but then i can't get past that part it just stops so yeah. this is a cool little like shooter stage which is out of nowhere it's like an yeah. isometric shmup thing
3: yeah Anyways, but where are the frogs <laughs> where are the frogs Cody I haven't seen a single frog yet
0: You know what? if you went to a fancy French restaurant And they served you toad legs yeah. Would you know the difference Eric <laughs> Just saying
3: Are there toads in here Battle toads But where They're All the- I see are the dudes Well
0: okay you're, you're watching somebody who picked Jimmy
3: Okay so you can pick a toad you can absolutely
0: pick a toad. Now I gotta find a. Now I gotta find one where they actually pick a toad. Okay,
3: I wasn't busting your bees. Oh, you were, You were. <laughs> my bees
0: were busted. For I wasn't sure. busting
3: your bees because of the toad ag- there angle. There you go, I just, it. Okay, there you go. Battle toad. I, I was gonna say because, dude, I haven't seen a single frog or a toad in this game. <laughs> okay, there you go. All
0: right, we got toads. I'll give you that. Okay, All right. I'm gonna give you that. Your last game, my friend.
3: So this game is. I found the history of it um and i don't i don't have a lot of in-depth history because there isn't a lot of history on this game never heard of this okay but yeah exactly that's exactly what uh i did i was like looking for games with frogs and i came across, across frog and spiders that's what this game is called frogs and spiders this is a fixed screen shooter released in 1981 by taito for arcades now, the history that I was able to find it, they made less than five hundred of these arcade machines. Oh wow! Okay, worldwide. Um, it is a game that is similar to Space Invaders, but much more. It, I, you know, I, I tend to find Space Invaders. I mean, I know that it was awesome for its time because it came careful. out in the seventies.
0: Careful what you say. Or, exactly. Careful to say. I, agree I find with it you.
3: interesting, but I mean, it does get a little uh, samey after same-y, a while. Yes, very much so. This game adds a lot of cool twists to the um, Space Invaders formula. You play as a frog on the bottom and you go left and right, and things come out. Things come out left and right, snakes and enemies, so you have to jump over them. Okay, so that's the first element. One thing that is very interesting in this game, so you can jump too, so you're moving left and right and you jump. Another thing that's really interesting is there is a spider web above you, and it's full of spiders moving left and right. Now, those spiders, you shoot with your frog. I don't know what you're shooting. Let's not go into that. <laughs> We're not going to go into what he's shooting out of his I, mouth. I want to go into it so bad. But he's shooting stuff out of his mouth. Now, when the f- spiders start falling and they come at you, you can earn more points by jumping and eating the spiders. Really? Which they're not really showing too much in this video, but you, can, you get bonus points for eating the spiders. Um,
0: Do you have to jump or can you just catch them when they fall past you?
3: I think I always just jumped when they when I killed them and they were falling. I would just jump and then eat them and then I got my bonus points. Another thing is, in the web there'll be these other creatures that get caught in the web, like flies. And yeah, there's stuff. like a
0: bee's nest, a hornet's nest yep. or something up there.
3: If you protect them by killing the spiders, like before while, while they're carrying off the other insects yeah you get bonus points for that too, so you 're trying to save the insects that crawl across the there 's a
0: lot going on in this little screen
3: yeah, so you you basically are shooting spiders, eating spiders, protecting other insects in in the in the web, and I just found that this I, I had never ever heard of this game and no. and it was not easy to get to run on my main cabinet. I had to download like three different versions finally was able to get it to run i'm gonna check
0: something keep talking yeah keep talking. but
3: this game um for coming out in 1981 um i think is a very innovative twist on space invaders um but just reading from the the little notes that i have here um i'm over here now <laughs> yeah oh he's over he's he's, he's uh looking for, he's, something, he's right? looking for something over here um <laughs> But anyway, uh, and then as you clear levels, they just get more and more difficult, more and more spiders. There's like a squirrel on the side that's trying to attack you. Um, I, I, I actually had a blast on this game, but I think the more reason that I picked it was because it's rare these days that I, there's an arcade game, which I've never heard of, but is pretty decent. And I'm kind of disappointed that this game didn't really do well enough to actually be a, be a hit. So what, yeah because it's way better than it's way better than something like space invaders to me at least so i have one i think
0: i have another one of these I, this is, i'm holding playstation 2's taito legends yeah and i think i have taito legends 2 i couldn't find it i was trying to be quick okay get back on the mic um i wanted to see if it was on here but no what is on here is space invaders yeah you know jungle hunt bubble bubble operation wolf uh, but they have a lot of their... There's a lot of t- good Taito games that people don't know about. Oh, yeah. I mean, this, this has 29 original arcade hits. This Taito Legends. Yeah. Um,
3: Starting from the very early 80s, uh, going all the way through the 80s, Taito made some amazing games.
0: And some probably some pretty bad ones. Oh, but, sure. <laughs> but sure. Absolutely. Have you heard of... For example, have you heard of uh, Electric Yo-Yo?
3: No. Never heard of
0: it. I'm sure that's a Taito classic, era. Exactly. Have you heard of uh, Plump Pop? pop
3: never never
0: mm. heard of two plump. bit
3: two bit nope
0: oh this one's interesting super kicks kicks is a good game kicks is a good game zookeeper phoenix is probably my favorite um space invaders like
3: okay yeah
0: yeah galaga like yeah i've I played phoenix. that one
3: before and that one's awesome
0: i'm gonna have to, when we're done here i'm gonna have to check out and see if i have the other title legends that i think this game might be on it but
3: i was reading through my notes here shooting a spider once once knocks it down from the web At which point the player can shoot it again or jump to eat it, which grants bonus points.
0: There's one thing you haven't mentioned at all. Yeah, what's that? This game should be called Frogs, Spiders, and Squirrels, because there's a squirrel on every screen running across the branch at the top of the tree, just randomly tosses a nut at you. Yeah. Or pops out one of these holes. They don't mention the squirrels at all, and you mentioned the squirrels not at all. That's right. Well, I mentioned it once. And there's snakes
3: at the bottom. There are snakes at the bottom. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Makes it much more challenging. I think this would have been a very fun game to play in the arcade. I've never seen this game before in my life until I did the research on this. So I I just think it's, don't you think it's kind of a shame? I mean,
0: so my guess about why this isn't made, like, I think it's a game that looks more fun up front. But I think if people are actually trying to play it well and get good at it, I think it looks too random. I don't think there is, like, a pattern. And at the time, people wanted to get high scores and try to do the best. That's true. And you had to find these patterns and stuff. Yep. And I think this game's just always going to be reaction only. And in some cases, if there's so many bullets falling at once, there's no way to miss them. But doesn't that look fun? It looks like a blast, yeah. Yeah.
3: So it is, a, to me, it's a good game. And it's one I really oh, yeah. enjoyed. And I enjoyed, I. this was one of the rare times I enjoyed not being able to find much on it. Because I was like...
0: Where did you learn that you could get the like grab the spiders for points? Because I would be avoiding those at all costs.
3: Yeah, because there's a little wiki I found here. Space Invaders Wiki. It's called okay. Frog and Spiders. And so I read through there, and that's where I learned about that. But, I, man, I... Well, so I'm telling you right now, if you try to put this on your main cabinet, it's going to be very difficult. I mean, you may already have it on there. Hopefully you do, but if you don't, I had the hardest time getting it. So... So having something like on that PlayStation Two thing would be uh, the way to play it if it's on a collection somewhere. Was it
0: just hard to find a ROM that worked, or what, what was hard no, about I'd, it?
3: I had a hard time finding a ROM that worked at all. Mame would just kick it out every time I tried to run it. Huh. You can play it in a web browser, like on uh, I think Archive .org, um, but I did finally get it to work on Mame, but the graphics weren't right. Uh, it was okay. part of the screen was off, but I just played in the web browser and and played a little on Mame, and that was it. But I'd love to to find this in a collection. So if you do find it, that would be awesome.
0: Take a look here in just a second. But before we do that, Eric, we have to say goodbye to the people because we're done with six good games and we're done with another episode of Pixel Guy Den. Yeah. How was it
3: being live again? Live in the studio.
0: I miss your Musk. <laughs> <laughs> thank
3: you. It, it is getting a little musky, in it's here. a little
0: warm. You know, between episodes here, because we're you know breaking yeah. the fourth wall. We're going to record another episode here, uh, not too long with Tim. Yep. Uh, we're going to be cracking open these windows. Yeah. Get some air. Cranking airflow. up the loud fans we had to turn off to record. In the, you know, the the sacrifice we make the, for you people, the things we you do. you listeners exactly. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for oh. listening to Pixel Guide. Ga- oh, I had
3: one thing because we forgot to do feedback in errata.
0: Ooh, well, let's go ahead and, pot t- you
3: know, tag it on the end here. The one thing of errata that I want to point out, and it's in our notes, is that I left, and this was all my bad, because I get the list ready for you to do your excellent Patreon songs. <laughs> um, but I left Brian Arsenal off of that, which has been a long time patron, patron, Patreon supporter of the show. And I felt so bad that I left him off. And um I... I, I somebody I'm always humbled when somebody reaches out and supports us and um, that I left somebody off. I, I, it makes me feel really bad. He was cool about it. He's like, Oh, no problem. I just, you know, I want to make sure my payments went through and all that. I felt bad. I feel horrible about it. So, Brian Arsenal, I appreciate you. And If I knew
0: Sumer, sooner, I'd make an entire chorus where we are just saying Brian Arsenal. Over exactly. And over
3: I would appreciate that. Maybe someday we'll do that. Or else we'll, <laughs> just, or else
0: we'll just have a segment like this at the end of the show where we say his name like five times yeah. in like two minutes. Yeah. Brian so, Brian, Arsenal. we
3: appreciate you. <laughs> we speak your name.
0: <laughs> um, That's it. That's endeth another episode of Pixel Guide In. Yes. Next episode, as we said, we will talk with Tim. We have the game show. We have battle of the systems between a couple of handheld pinball games. Yes, indeed. And we catch up in general. Uh, thank you guys for hanging out. Oh, and we have Eric's take, which we are so excited to hear what you have to say, Eric.
3: I w- I, and I'll let you know. You'll be the first <laughs> one to know what it's going to be about. <laughs> I haven't recorded it yet.
0: But until then, everybody, please remember, it's, it's dangerous, dangerous to, to go, go alone. alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at Dub Project. That's D-U-H-Project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at Sanction, that's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com.